Hey everyone, welcome back to the BMX in our blood. Pretty wild trip out to California to get these interviews. Uh, definitely mostly a family trip with my son and was fortunate enough to mix in a little bit of LA to catch up with a couple different people that I think you guys will all be interested in. So this is the first of three that I recorded, and this is with Chris Moeller, and this was a real kind of impromptu surprise meetup with Chris. Uh, not normally there on a weekend, but he was, so it was pretty awesome. I was able to run over there and uh, get a tour of the shop and basically the production area, which was really super cool. My intention was just to drop off a couple letters from... Back in 1988, uh, when him and I were mailing each other back and forth, uh, while I was putting together a, a purchase of my first S&M bike, and it was the Mad Dog, so it was in the very beginning. So anyway, I wanted to drop those letters off. There were responses from him to my letters. So that's toward the end of the interview, end of the the podcast, I should say. Uh, so if you're not really into the production part, which I hope you are because he puts on an extremely good tour. Uh, it's super interesting. But if you want to hear the letter part, you can skip on a bit to the last half hour or so, and uh, and you'll hear that part. So anyhow, I'm not sure when I'll have the next two done, but the next two will be Jerry Bagley and then Robbie Miranda. I just want to thank all of these guys for being so welcoming and uh, just made the experience just a, a really good time. And um, that also goes for uh, Biz Jordan, who let us use the, uh, let Jerry and I record at his place. So that was super nice. Of him. So thank you, Biz. And later on that same day, Robbie Miranda over at his house was, Thank you to him and his, his family for giving us the space there to record. So anyway, we'll get to it. Just one last quick thing. It's uh, if you want to support the podcast in any way, probably easiest to do it as a donation-based help toward the podcast for expenses involved in traveling so I can do these face-to-face. And, of course, all the hosting fees and all that stuff that goes with it. So if that's something you want to do, just message me on Instagram through Gromdad2000, uh, probably the best way. So that is about it. Enjoy it. See ya. Uh, I'm not here very often. I just, I'm out here for the week. Yeah. I'm uh, sleeping in the home away from home in the parking lot. <laughs> so primary residence now is... Um, well, I have a house here in San Clemente that's that's super nice. Melissa yeah. and I have a, a really nice place by the beach. But oh, it's okay. a rental. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. people in it till Christmas. Oh. We have a two-month rental going on right now. Some lady that's a doctor. Uh -huh. So she's renting the place for two months. So oh. normally I come out here to work for the week or whatever, and I go yeah. and stay down there, and then I come to work every day. Right, but right. Because the place is rented, I just drove out in the RV, and I just stay in the RV. That's perfect. Yeah, and then I go home on Friday. Yeah. I'll fly home on Friday, park the RV in a RV thing, you know, uh -huh. RV lot. And then I'll probably be back. I'm out every couple weeks. Oh, I'm okay. out like every three weeks. I come out for a week. 
Oh, nice. Or you could do most of your stuff remotely. Yeah, from, I do it remotely from the new home. Yeah, from the house in Colorado, and then I come out here to. Uh-huh. Uh, I come out here to you know to actually be here, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah, like I would, I would like think. Too. But um, Zine was saying that he thought you might be making bars, maybe for Magoo. No, we're not. not. We we in the early days of Biltwell. We made some samples and we uh-huh. wanted to make bars for them, but unfortunately, it just our cost was too high. Yeah, and they had such a good overseas connection that yeah. they started getting all their stuff from overseas. Okay, but they're kind of phasing out of the hard goods. Yeah, market anyway. They're going to be focusing on helmets and soft goods, right. bags. They're really big into bags and stuff yeah. like these tool wraps. Or these are these are built well tool wraps right here that I was just actually when I saw you drive up, I was yeah was working on it because I'm going to make these like an S&M oh, nice. uh, Biltwell collab bag by putting I think I'm on a screen print right uh-huh. here oh that'd be cool yeah have you seen these things no I mean as a bike rider yeah I mean, look at this thing you... I mean just look at these pouches you know oh the strength feel, of feel the material oh yeah you could put chain links your chain breaker yeah. you know I mean everybody needs this yeah. there's nothing really like this in, in bikes everybody's no. got those little tool uh, you know, like the DK random wrench style. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Nah, right, know. right. Yeah, I would rather have my tools. Like Absolutely, tools, real tools. Yeah, exactly. You know? Not an adjustable to fit all. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I was and, actually working on that when you drove up. Oh, that's cool. So but that's yeah, kind of in the prototype phase. You decided. Yeah, to do I just it. got these. I got these from them. I got fifty of them. Yeah. And then I'm gonna screen print something or put a patch on it or something. Just turn it into an S and M. You know, built well. Tool bag. That's so cool. But yeah, let me. I'll give you a little tour. We'll start with the shop area. Do Do I have to strip my Odyssey shirt off? Oh, you have an Odyssey shirt? No, I'm used to it. I think everybody that rides for S and M and Fit rides for Odyssey too. We well, you know what's funny. I'm real used to it. The good news is I have it on backwards. Anyway. Oh, you do? I got up showered because I didn't want to make you late, and yeah. I don't want to be late for Jerry. But but anyway, yeah. So Bagley. What yeah. Is, he's he's a working man these days, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna talk a lot about that. That's for sure. This guy's brother guys on the nine club. Absolutely. Yeah. Roger. Roger, the guy yeah. in, the, in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get into that too, huh? What yeah. Roger. Absolutely. Yeah, he did. Robbie did. Uh, I'm sorry. Jerry did one with Chris Doyle two or three years ago, and he did an awesome job. And those two can relate. They competed. Yeah. They did a lot against each other and together. So his is cool on on the pro to pro level. Yeah. To me, I just wanted to talk, talk to Jerry about being a mass hole. Yeah, definitely. Massachusetts and, and you guys got a lot of northeastern uh, stuff in common, I'm sure. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. So this is a small shop. I mean, as you can see, it's only I mean four thousand feet, maybe square feet. Luckily, we got high ceilings and we've got this crane, yeah. which makes it really easy to bring big, huge bundles of material oh, in. We yeah. back the trucks in right here and just unload the material. Nice. But for a really small shop, uh-huh. we're able to to do quite a bit because it's basically designed as a big lap so, so we'll we'll start with the lap okay? kind of the, the so the flow lap, the, 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 there's a flow exactly so the, the the flow goes like this the trucks back in here all uh-huh. this obviously is cleaned out either right. goes to get stickered or goes to the paint shop or forklift is out so this sure. is all cleared out truck comes in the crane 
unloads these big bundles of material. Yeah. We put them on the rack. They usually start out on this saw right here, which is a you know automated saw. Sure. So the full twenty foot lengths are here on the saw, and it's it's loading itself and cutting itself. Depending on what you're making. Depending on what you're making. Generally bars, you know, like these are handlebar mm -hmm. material. Yeah. So the handlebar material gets cut. You bring it down here. You feed it through here to pol give it a, a yeah. an initial polish. Yeah. And just to interrupt you one second. So these are all the jigs for all the different bars you make? These are jigs uh, for sub-assemblies. Okay. So some handlebars, yeah. So like, for instance, this is a, this is a scapegoat. You know, uh -huh. Sherbo. We made bars for Bob Sherbo. Scapegoat. I just met him last. Uh, I don't. I think he two has. Weekends ago. Oh, you did. I think he's got someone else making them mm -hmm. for him now. But when uh, we made these for Scapegoat through Empire, I believe. Oh, I got you. So, I got you. Uh, that's what that is. So yeah, yeah, if he ever wanted to make them again, we're set up and ready to roll. It's you know? easier. Well, this is this is all fixed measurements, right? Yeah. So these are ready to go. So, so you just leave it alone. Specific specific bar gotcha. and then these are frame sub assemblies so either mm -hmm. chain stay sub assemblies yeah. or seat stay this would be a seat stay sub assembly for specific frames yeah um, oh, and then there's got to be a light back here the switch is probably over oh that's here. all right but that's, that's yeah that's you've got some fixtures there yeah um and i think there's even because we were digging in here last night i think there's uh -huh. even some frame fixtures back there we'll see from the other side really old ones old ones uh the one we were looking at last night was the we were digging out the fixture for the uh, 26 inch dirt jumper, the black oh, market. Yeah, yeah. The first one that we made back in, I don't know what it was. Yeah. 2000 or something, maybe even earlier. Probably a little ahead of the curve. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, I should definitely. say way above the curve. Definitely. Ahead of the curve. It might even been the 90s, I can't remember. But uh, That's crazy because no one was really riding dirt jumpers then. No, right? we were riding, uh, Carter Holland was riding them. Yeah. And he had a few buddies that were riding them, and then we were racing them. Oh, really? We were doing four cross. Oh, okay. So even I was racing four cross. Nice. So we had the 26-inch dirt jumper, but yeah. with a derailleur. Oh, okay. And we had a little five-speed on there. Really? You know, it was it was a single speed in the front, but five-speed in the back. Oh, okay. And 80 mil talon, I think a Fox talon fork. But it was super fun. You, four you, cross was super fun. Oh, they don't do it anymore. It. No. It was like BMX. Yeah. But bigger jumps. It was. Downhill. Mm -hmm. It was super fun. I rode in the semi-pro class, uh -huh. and uh, I had a blast. That's, so anyway, that's cool. you saw you're polishing the tubes, mm -hmm. roll marking them here, yeah. you know, so you can put, you know, whatever made in USA or the brand or whatever it is. Um, these are, these are, uh, see fork legs. Oh, fork legs. Tapered. Oh, nice. So these got cut and mm -hmm. they would have been, you know, uh, straight. Yeah. And then we would send them off to a, a supplier, a uh -huh. swedger that swedges them down. Oh, nice. Turns them tapered and then we get them back here. And now they're about ready to go into this machine, which is a bender. Oh, okay. So the fork leg is going to get loaded in here, and then it's going to get bent around this radius die here. Nice. So, and then there's different radius dies, you know, for different diameters mm -hmm. and also different radiuses. Yeah. So depending on what fork it is, that's where it's going to get bent. That's going to take it down. Yeah. You know, they're going to pop it out. Um, Wait, did these machines come from anywhere? That we would be familiar with through yeah, BMX. No, these machines I bought brand new. Every, oh, these are brand every, new. Every, well, <laughs> I mean not all. Long yeah, time yeah, ago. right. But everything that we just saw here. Yeah. The, the the saw. Yeah. The auto saw. These roll marking machines, which we had custom made actually. Okay. This polisher. Yeah. This bender. Yeah. We bought all this brand new. Now, as far as really? machines that we've acquired from 
people through the years. Uh-huh. Uh, this one over here. This might be a light. Is that a light? Oh, oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, you know, like this, we had custom made. Oh, okay. Uh, this is probably from the 50s. Yeah. Yep. So I would have bought like this. It. I don't know if I got... I probably did get this from a bike company, actually. Yeah. But this is yeah. just an old-fashioned punch press. A little oh, one. Okay. You know, this is how you put the serial numbers in the Oh, house. that's why. Okay. Right over here, this is the tool for the... No kidding. So, so this a is stamp. This is how you stamp the dropouts for the serial number. So I'd probably pick That's this cool. up from, I don't know, maybe GT or something. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly who. This would have been custom made. Right. This would have been bought brand new. This we would have acquired from somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the first one I know for a fact we got from, we got this from Elf. No way. It even has an Elf sticker on it somewhere. Who are they producing for besides their own? Oh, there's the Elf sticker right there. Um, no, it was just Elf. Just Elf? Oh, okay. Yeah, so when Elf went out of business the first time, mm-hmm. Ken Sr., who's since passed away, uh-huh. but when uh, when I bought everything in his shop, yeah, I don't, there might be a few other pieces here that came from Elf. Yeah. It's probably all been replaced except for this. Really? So this is just a single bend mm-hmm. hydraulic bender. So it's very similar to the fork leg bender. Yeah. It only does one bend. Mm-hmm. So you load it in there, one thing, you know? Gotcha. That's it. So usually on this, we're doing real... Left and right? Uh, I mean, or... it's all one-sided. No, this is it's just all one-sided on this guy. But uh, you can yeah. do... Well, I guess it doesn't so matter. So mainly what we do on here is, on is chain stays. Oh, or okay. Stays. So just real mm-hmm. slight bends. Yeah. So you, you load it in here, you know, you load it in here, one little right. bend. But it's... It's hydraulic, you know? It's, yeah. old, it's old school. It's like, you have to do everything manually, you know? That's pretty wild. Yeah, so that did come from Elf. This is how, this is where we knurl. Uh-huh. And these are really old machines, but... Just for knurling. For knurling bar, is, for bars. Knurling is tough. Getting exactly. Good, getting good knurling on handlebars is really tough. This mm-hmm. is the machine you want to do it on. You, and it is yeah. hard to find these things. Yeah. Because <laughs> this could be from the 40s, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, and look, I got another one up there. Look up on top over there. Oh, so way I, up. I got another. Like, if I ever see these things pop up yeah, for yeah, sale, yeah. which you don't, but if it ever were to happen, I would pick it up immediately. What other use would there be? Uh, originally, like this, another I common think, use. Originally, I think this would have been used to um, to do threading. Oh, okay. To You know, like to make a screw. Sure. A giant screw. I so got basically, you. you've got material... In the collet here, mm-hmm. and then you've got this little cutter, right? And then there inside here is a cam uh-huh. that controls the how much it goes in and how much it goes over and comes out. It just does this. This whole head wow. right here just does a loop, you know, it just does this, uh-huh. and it's all controlled by a cam that's in here. So everything's per- totally mechanical. Yeah, there, there's no electricity happening here, right? You know, there's compressed right. air which yeah. holds the material, right? And then there's um, there's there's no electronics is what I'm getting. Right, right. It's all mechanical. Yeah. So the cam is what controls this. Right. And the in, over, and out is how you get the good neural. So uh-huh. obviously for knurling, we need to go an inch and three quarters. Yeah. You know? So you got a cam. There's a cam in there. And you're, is it kind of like etching a spot is to crisscross etching? Well, sort if you of. look at these two cutters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These cutters, one is going this way, one is going that way. Yeah. So they're, you know, 45s. Right. And that's how you get a diamond. Because this guy's 45 this way, this guy's 45 that oh, way. Oh, I follow you. And then as the material's spinning, yeah. and this guy's yeah. coming across, the cutter's coming across. The key to this, though, really to get it done really well without 
potentially starting a break in the handlebar is that these right. cutters aren't flat. Okay. These cutters are convexed, mm -hmm. just a tiny bit. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. This edge is convexed. Yeah. Because if this were square, you might have a you might start a little break on the edge of the neural. Yeah. So with yep. a, with a convexed surface on the on the cutter. Yeah. You know the tool. You come in little gently and you come out gently. So you're barely into the surface for the edge, because you don't want to yeah. create a little yeah a line there where it might break. In indention. Know? Don't we just do that on our own when we over tighten? So here's a, oh yeah, well then you just end up doing it on your own, right? <laughs> right? So this, this thing's pretty filthy, but this is the cam, the, mm -hmm. this is the type of cam I'm talking about. Yeah. So this cam controls the length of the tool, yeah. you know, how much it moves, right. and then the depth. So this, this shape Almost right like here, stop. this shape as it's spinning mm -hmm. is what's controlling this thing going in, over, out, and back up again, and then uh -huh. in, over, back up again, this shape right here. Wow. So, I mean, this is like the 40s, you know? But the thing about these things is they're rock solid. Like, this machine is rock solid. Uh -huh. It's not, it's not gonna, you know, you're not gonna, you know, blow a fuse. No, it's no. Something weird. Like, whereas, like, this machine, which is the, the bender where the handlebars actually get bent, yeah. this thing's totally computer controlled. Gotcha. So, it's already been rebuilt. I think we bought it brand new and probably, uh, when we set the shop up and maybe 99 bought this thing brand new so it was 20 Whoa. whatever 24 years ago yeah and since then we've had it completely we've completely replaced all the computer controls in here a number yeah. of times and right. each time has been like 60 grand you know but when the machine was new it was like maybe 150 yeah you know 25 yeah. years ago 150 grand was a lot of money especially yeah. for me yeah absolutely. that's why we were making bars for everybody i got you. because this thing was the payment on this thing was like six grand a month back then Whoa. it's paid off now and like i said we've rebuilt it a couple of times so we have probably right. three three four hundred grand into this thing but can you imagine how many bars this thing has made no definitely not probably twenty thousand pairs a year or twenty thousand bars a year i'm still getting over For 25 that. years yeah. what is that <laughs> who knows i don't even know what that is i'm gonna yeah. pull up the calculator i mean if we have 20 thousand bars a year yeah times 24 years 400 a half half a million handlebars oh my god and you've rebuilt it i mean two recently. times probably yeah. yeah probably like 10 years ago five years yeah. ago but you know what's more amazing to me is that we're so old now these machines that normally you think of back when you you see someone buy a, a machine from somebody it's someone that had already used it for a while now you're the guy that's used it for a while yeah you know what i mean it's a whole right it's crazy. It's a man. Well, years that's why I say this. like all this stuff, all this equipment, like mm -hmm. these Haberly saws. I think I had that. I think I might have gotten either that Haberly saw or this uh -huh. Doringer saw. Yeah. I mean, we bought our first saw years before we actually made anything. We were just yeah. cutting material and taking it to other suppliers. Sure. I think we bought that saw in maybe '94. Oh that would have been 1994. It's still going. Wow. I mean, we've we've rebuilt some things over yeah. the years. But that's why these saws, if you go to buy one of these saws, like mm -hmm. a, like take this, just, this is just a cold saw, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. just a, it's just like a, like a chop saw, right? Yeah. You got a big blade, it's spinning, you've got some fluid coming in, being pumped in. You got fluid being pumped in to keep the, the little bit of oil lubrication. To, yeah. And okay. then you've got pneumatic clamps. Yeah. So you can, you hold the material without having to sit here and clamp it down. Right. Um, that saw nowadays, if you were to buy that, it'd probably be 20, 25 grand. Yeah. And yeah. people look at that and go, 
it's a chop saw. Okay, right, get right. That at, uh, you know, Harbor Freight, I can get a chop saw for $500 oh at Harbor Freight. No, you can't. No, you can't. No. You just yeah. can't. You right. know, this saw has been going for 30 years. That's insane. Every day. How for 30 you, years. How often do you swap out blades? I mean, they have uh, probably, I'm not going to say daily, but probably right. weekly for sure. So what happens is you start with a big blade, like maybe a 20-inch diameter. Yeah. And then it gets dull. The blade guy shows up. He picks up all the blades. They keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Sure. See, this one's already getting pretty darn small. Yeah. And then when, eventually when it gets so small that you can't cut anything with it, yeah. you throw it away. Gotcha. But they start out about this big. Really? You know, like a record. It looks like a you know, like a vinyl record yeah. size. And then it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Oh my God. Until eventually it's, you toss it. Yeah. You know, but the blades are expensive. A couple hundred bucks probably. And then every time you sharpen it, it's probably another 15 bucks. Right. Um, right. But and, so and, what's, what's happening here is you've got all these pieces that we cut, we roll marked, we polished. Oh, yeah. we, we in-finished them. We kind of skip by the in-finisher so the, mm -hmm. the end of your bar isn't sharp. Oh, right, right, you know, right. You, you knock off both the it's ID like and the OD. It's like a reamer and a... Yeah, exactly. It's like a little hand reamer, but don't, yeah. it does it quickly. Got it. So you don't have a sharp edge on your bar. But uh, now you, you bend it into a handlebar, and then on these saws, you're cutting the crossbar material. Uh -huh. or you're cutting uh, other little pieces that go into frames. You're basically mm -hmm. just cutting small things on these on these, you know... Uh, hand saws right then all the pieces get you know into some kind of a fixture like this is a um what is this this is uh this is actually metal uh -huh. these are handlebars for metal bikes oh no way Can you believe that in louisville uh, i don't know if this guy i think the guy where i'm not sure i'm not working with jimmy that, right. i'm not working with jimmy i'm working with another guy that is friends with jimmy maybe yeah, yeah, that's the way I gather. I think it, it's is. Mike, maybe. I, I don't. I can't remember his name. But uh, yeah. anyway, these are handlebars for metal bikes, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're. I don't know how many we're making, but it, it uh -huh. looks like an old cycle craft bar, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely does. So these will be getting welded up. Why don't you? I just, think Monday morning. This is like what's first up. Why don't you just make some Fred's legs while you're at it? Hey, hit me you know? up. <laughs> what were the Martinos? I don't want them. Was that the Martinos? Yeah, the Martinos. Yeah. Martinos, hit me up. <laughs> I don't I'd want, like to. I don't want to. That's a, that's a show fork. I don't want to ride that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, the big long one that BF rode? Yeah. The yeah. motocross, like the Botima-looking one? Yes, the dropouts are kind of up yeah. a little bit. It looked cool, though. Yeah, yeah It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, just the whole idea of... Just of, carrying around a bunch of metal, extra metal Yeah. on, on your bike. There's <laughs> tubing sticking <laughs> off of weird things. Right. right. Nowadays, we wouldn't care. No. But it looked cool though. I mean, that photo of BF, you know, yeah. when he's tucked over the roller and the fork, the long forks, it just looks oh, definitely. pretty moto. Oh, absolutely. So then, you know, you've got a couple other things going on here. You're mitering, you know, like for on this particular mill, you can see you've got fork legs loaded in there. Yeah. But the fork legs are going to be cut pretty mm -hmm. square at the top. And then you're going to come in and you're going to miter it so that the steer tube fits into the fork legs. And then you throw those into a jig. Yeah, then tube. we'll see that over here, I'm sure. Yeah. This is kind of interesting. This is an old school punch press too. Obviously mm -hmm. a lot bigger than the little guy sure. over there. But it's the same kind of clutch style where you've just yeah. got this huge weight spinning around. Mm -hmm. And you're hitting these buttons and this thing's just coming down but with a lot of force. And in this case, it's coming down and bending, uh, probably bending a chainstay into, uh -huh. into an S shape. Right. You know, um, 
Yeah. So you can tell, you can see with the tooling here, uh -huh. you, you put a chain stay in there. Yeah. And then uh, you punch it, and when it comes out, you've got, you've got the S-bend. Oh, know, okay. For your, for your chain stay so it goes around your tire. Nice. Which, which are mostly, in your business now, it, it's, a, it's a wide chain stay, right? Yeah. I mean, that's always an issue, getting that tire clearance. Now, yeah. Because people just keep getting fatter and fatter tires. <laughs> I know. You know. So we might eventually move into like more of, a, more of an investment cast, kind of a little piece, which is what we're doing overseas yeah. with like the fit frames. Oh, okay. The shortcut and the mixtape frames. You have, a, you have an investment cast little yoke. Uh -huh. So you don't have to bend the tubing around that big fat tire. You have this pre-made little piece right. that, the, that the chainstays stick into. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's probably where it's going to go. Getting yeah. that investment cast here in the States is probably going to be impossible, but maybe we import the investment casting and then we incorporate it into the frame that we make here. We'll see. Yeah. You know, that seeing might what be machines, where we go. Yeah, seeing what machines... If people keep getting fatter course. and fatter tires, you know. It seems like the, it? the rear end thing has finally bottomed out you know i don't think anyone's gonna you can't go any shorter than 12 and you know right. whatever it is 12.4 i think is what the shortcut is i don't think you can go any shorter than that and yeah. i'm not sure people even want that they did for a minute i mean us old men i'm 14 know, and I'm a half 14 and a half 14 yeah. three quarters and that feels great to me yeah but we can't yeah. really manual that well i mean you maybe know, you can i cannot. i, I can't i can't to save no. my life i leave that to it's got to be a jumping it's got to be something yeah, yeah. in front of me right to manual too, or I can't manual. Exactly, it's gotta be on a jump. I couldn't do it on flat ground, no. go 20 wherever. Feet. I'd yeah. be lucky to manual 20 feet. I can't do two parking spots, which is probably less than 20. We're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Now over here, you've got, you know, sub-assembly fixtures and more uh -huh. mitering, basically. You've got hole saws. It's just the way it's been done for a really long time. You know, yeah. you've got hole saws, coping the tubes, or, you know, putting the fish mouth on the tube, the miter, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And well, now you got all these pieces that you just, uh -huh. you know, cut, in finished, polished, bent, roll marked, right. serial numbered, all the whatever, all of it, and then you bring, and it all makes its way here. Uh -huh. and once it gets down here, you've got the front end going together here, and then you've got the back end going together here. Okay. So once you make the front end of the frame, yeah, you can put it in here. You can add the back end to it. Oh, okay. We usually do it in two two laps around. So we just did a lap, basically, yeah. right? We're coming down the last sure. straightaway of, right. of this little U shape. Hello. But then within that, mm -hmm. there's another lap here that yeah, we, gotcha. we just got into. So so you throw all the pieces in the front triangle. You tie right. it all up. It starts coming down here. You know. Yeah. The next guy grabs it. You got another spinning thing here. You put it on the rack. Yeah. Next guy does his thing. Next guy does his thing. So on. Right. Until you, when you get down here to the end, what you would be, what you would be left with here would be the front triangle of the frame. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah. you got say you got the front triangle of the frame. Right. Now you're gonna put the front triangle of the frame on this machine uh, okay. to make sure that it's perfectly straight. Mm -hmm. Now if the front triangle is perfectly straight. Um, you're good to go. If it's not perfectly straight, you can make it perfectly straight. So nothing's going back down there right. until it's perfectly flat. Right. You know, in other words, parallel with the table, yeah. which means it's parallel with the center line, mm -hmm. and your frame's going to ride correct. Now, a yeah. lot of USA-made guys skip this step. They put them on other, you know, like little bike racks and just make sure they look straight. But you get those bikes yeah. that aren't straight and uh -huh. talk about like, we're already having a hard time manualing. Yeah, yeah. Try right. manualing on a bike that's not 
that's pulling you one that's way or another. That's pulling you one way or the other, yeah. you know? Yeah. And a lot of bikes out there aren't straight. No. I guarantee you. You yeah. take, you take for, well, generally frames that are made overseas are going to be straight because they're doing the same exact thing. That, right. This is how they do it. This machine came. This machine, this table, uh-huh. you know, as you can see, this table came from Taiwan. Really? So I've learned a lot of what I do from overseas. Uh-huh. But yeah, like this is a Taiwanese table. Right. But it's, it's expensive. And people don't like to buy stuff like this. No, which makes me think that you... You but how are you going to how, 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 how are you going to ensure that the bike is straight mm-hmm. unless you have something like this? Yeah, right. Right. It's pretty tough, it's, you know. So now, so let's just let's just get back on track with the the loop. So you got yeah, the yeah. front end. Yeah. It's done. It's straight. It's perfectly ready to go. Uh huh. Now you put it back around for right. some finish welding, or you, now you go back up to the top and you add the back end to it. I see. Okay. Now you add the back into it. Now it comes back around. And all the weld schedules that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the position of each weld on each guy is yeah. designed to keep the bike from getting overheated on, say, on one side. Because if you weld, that's the thing about a lot of, you know, shops that only have one guy. Mm-hmm. They do so much welding on the frame at uh-huh. one time that the frame gets overheated in a certain area and it can get pulled to one side. And again, you can tweak the frame. Yeah, but if you have not. multiple welders... Which is the best way to do it? So you, you can, can go. Kind of get on you go, it you go here. Yeah. You go here. You go here. Like this guy, guy one, yeah. does all the top positions. Let's say you know. How, how fast speaking. does the second guy have to get on it? Well, no. Then the one first guy does you know all his positions. Yeah. Let's say he yeah. does all the top right joints, and then he puts it on the rack. Yeah. And yeah. it cools down for a little bit until the next guy gets it. The next guy gets it. Let's say he does all the left side. Yeah, and then the next guy gets it. He does all the right side. Yeah. Now you're you're putting the heat into it on the top, maybe on the bottom, on the mm-hmm. left, and on the right. right. Rather than just going at it, one person all the way around this tube and just cooking it. Yeah, you yeah. see what I mean? Right. So if you have multiple guys, you can. Man. It's better, but it's sure you have to be able to mask that start and stop point. Yeah, which is kind of tough because if one guy just starts here and goes all the way around and doesn't have to stop his weld. Mm-hmm then he's not going to get a start and a stop point, but he's also going to put so much heat into that one particular area at yeah. one time that I don't think it's good. No. So it's a balance of spreading the heat out more gradually, right. but masking the start and stop point so it doesn't look like a, you know, a bad weld. Right, right. So it's, it's kind of tough, but that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the way we like to do it. And, yeah. you know, we've done it lots of ways over the years, but that's where we're at mm-hmm. right now. You know? Oh, speaking of machines that came from other companies, this came from Solid Bikes. No way. Yeah, huh. remember Solid? Yeah, yeah. Up a little northern. bit after my yeah, yeah, my right. first time. Right after it, but, they uh, were up in Northern California. Oh, okay. So he, uh, I think his name was Aaron. Uh-huh. He closed Solid Bikes down and moved somewhere. Yeah, I think he moved to Oregon or something. He uh-huh. we, we bought some equipment and some uh, material and stuff from him. But this was a seat tube reamer that we bought from him. So, oh. Okay. And then I think this, this is a rear end fixture too. Uh-huh. And I think this actually came from GT. Oh, okay. Yeah. GT closed down. Mm-hmm. They, this guy, Sal, took all their equipment down to San Diego. And he and Sal's still down there building. He builds primarily aluminum race frames. Oh, okay. So I don't know what brands. Maybe S squared. Oh, okay. It's some brands like yeah, that. Yeah. He builds, I think he does, maybe does Kruppi. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what he's doing, but we bought a bunch of equipment from him. Yeah. This is one of the fixtures that we bought from him. Right. Um, so that's how that lap works. And then yeah. you've got the same thing going on as far as the alignment. Uh-huh. Oh, this machine here stamps the, puts the little uh, cut in your C-tube. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, right, right. So that you can put Jeez, your seat. all these things you just don't think about until you, can you see put the your, You can put your seat clamp on. Yeah. You know, so you, yeah. you fit the, the seat tube over here, and yeah. then this comes in uh -huh. and cuts your uh, slot so you can, you know, put your seat post clamp on. Right, um, right. And again, we're in a tiny space here, so stuff's kind of jammed in, but this is the same machine, but as we just looked at for the frame alignment, but this does forks. Oh, okay. So that's how you align your forks. You know, if you look down these these aisles, you see other other... <laughs> I mean, we are jammed in. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, but, absolutely are. I mean, if you get a bigger building, you probably go out of business, you know? Yeah. And then this yeah. machine here, this is the same thing for the fork and the frame alignment, but this does the handlebar. Uh -huh. And this one really, I mean, making straight handlebars is really tough. I can't imagine because you're working with so many angles and bends. And yeah, well, and I'll tell you what, like if, if we were to go up on top there, uh-huh. There's a manual bender. You can't really see it. Is it's it between of, these two? Yeah, it's that Bailey yeah. bender. That's yeah, for yeah. like a loop tail. Yeah. That's a roll. It's called a roll bender. We don't use it very often, but we no. used it for the COVID cruiser. That's right. how you make a loop tail. Oh, okay. You know, for like an old school BMX frame. Yeah, yeah. You can't really do loop tails on normal benders. You got to get these roll benders. And so this would be like a TNT had a little right. bit of a roll. Right, Robinson. Uh, Robinson, JMC. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, the COVID cruiser has it. Yeah. Um, it's a tough bend to do. Yeah, but that's how you do it—a roll bender. That's but we don't use it very often. No. When we do, we bring it, put forklift it down, and just use it for a while. But there is a hand bender up there, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And so originally, when people started building BMX bars, right? Even when I first started, you would have four benders in a row, mm -hmm. and one—the first bend would be one of your bottom bends, and then it'd go to the next bender, and they would do the other bottom bend. And then you go to the next bender and it would do one of the top bends. And then you go to the fourth bender and you would do the fourth bend. I gotcha. Now getting all four of those bends um, located right. properly so the bar is uh -huh. symmetrical right. is really hard. And those benders were done by hand. So a guy would have a big, you know, cheater bar yep, on yep. there and he would bend all four of these bends manually. Under heat? No. You can bend cold like that with yeah. leverage? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know stuff that. Is, yeah, it's not... I mean, it's 065. Yeah, that's Back true. then, maybe that's it was true. even 049. Right, so right, it's pretty, right. So it's pretty thin stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's normalized condition, mm -hmm. you know, condition in chromoly. Yeah, right. you can bend it by hand. If you get a bad batch of material that's brittle, right. then maybe it'll crease or even snap. But mm -hmm. if you get the right material, it's not too soft, it's not too hard. Right. You, know, you got to get it at the right Rockwell, you know. Uh, and if it, in, like, we have that Rockwell tester right there, it's in the bag. But when oh, we get okay. material in, we will actually cut little pieces of it oh. and put it on the tester and make sure that it's right. And if the whole batch is bad, you uh -huh. might send it all back. But most right. of it comes with certs, you know, certification so that you're getting what you asked for, which is a specific hardness. Because if it's, really? like I said, too hard, it's going to snap. Yeah. Too soft, it's going to be weak. Right. Especially if it's mm -hmm. not getting, you know, heat treated again. Right. So anyway, making a straight handlebar is really hard. And my point with the four benders mm -hmm. is that when you were doing four benders, right. you were bending almost in a, a more um, symmetrical way. So right. you were doing the, the bottom right, the yeah. bottom left, the top right, the top left. So everything was coming out from the center line. Once you switch to CNC bending like we're doing now, mm -hmm. it all goes from one side. Right. So you've got bend one, bend two, bend three, bend four. It doesn't come from the bottom up. It yeah, goes yeah. from one side to the other. So it's actually, right. in a weird way, it's even harder. Uh -huh. It's easier to get a completely straight bar as far as riding. Right. But the look 
of the bar if you're not really careful. Mm -hmm. People that just jump in to make them bars, these are four-piece bars. But just imagine this is a two-piece bar. Like, okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, my whole point is the the look mm -hmm. of the bar because bends have start points and end points right and sometimes the start and the end look slightly different in other words if you were to just take this part mm -hmm. you could probably tell that this was the start and this was the stop now the, the so the issue here is that's the start that's the stop uh -huh. that's the start that's the stop i got you whereas back in the old days you start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Oh, wow. Everything came up from the bottom. Yeah, Symmetrical yeah. went to the top. Wow. So visually, uh -huh. the bar might have actually looked right. more symmetrical. Right. So sometimes with a CNC bent bar, which every bar out there is CNC bent now from one yeah. side to the other, right. regardless if it's made here. I think we're the only people doing it in the States. Oh. But overseas, yeah. whether it's Taiwan or China, which is where all the BMX stuff is <coughs> made, it's yeah. all CNC bent from one side to the other. Wow. So the bar might not, you might look at it and it mm -hmm. might not look symmetrical, but the thing is, is when you put it on the table, it's probably gonna be flat. Right. And so with this, with this uh, alignment table here, or check fixture, you could call it, it's probably, it's probably more of a check fixture really. Uh -huh. You put the bar in here, so your bar's clamped in here. Yeah. And it comes in here. And then right here, you've got the sweep. Oh, okay. So you've got the back sweep and you've got the up sweep here. Okay. So if, if this, and this is all set up to the bar that you're making at that time. If you lock all this in, bring this down, right. and this isn't, this isn't locking in, and that's not locking in, then the mm -hmm. bar's not, not straight. Oh, okay. Now you can adjust so you can it. Use it as a checkpoint too. You, can, you yeah. can check it and you can also straighten it. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're not losing sets of bars. No. Trash sets of you've bars. You've got, so there's there's some bars, laying, some leverage bars laying around here yeah. somewhere. But yeah, you can lock it in. So you've got, I'll see all your degrees, how this is uh -huh. calibrated. Yeah. So you've got all of your, and then there's another one for the other angle over here. So uh -huh. you've got your back sweep and you've got your up sweep. Say you're, you're back 11 degrees and you're up two degrees, something like that. That's all set in here. Gotcha. And if it's not where you want it to be, this is holding the bar securely here. Right. You can straighten it. And you might be talking about just, you know, half a degree. Right. But yeah. sometimes I've had people, it's like, especially racers. Yeah. Old school racers. Like I remember Eric Roop is really, uh -huh. uh, he, he stands out in my mind as a guy that would get his bars because he rode s bars for a long time. Yeah. I don't know what he rides now. Maybe even like a 31.8. Carbon something. Damn, he might be riding carbon, honestly. <laughs> knows, yeah. yeah, he probably is. Uh, but he rode s bars for a long time, and, and when he would get a set that he, he had a glass table in his house, or oh, a marble okay. table. He had a, right. like this big table here. We know yeah. it's perfectly flat because right. it's been ground flat. Yeah. Blanchard ground flat. Yeah. He had something like that, like, uh -huh. a, like a marble table. Right. Something that was 100% flat. And right. He knew it was flat. He would get the handlebar, throw it down on the table, and if the handlebar rocked, a little bit you know he, he'd get a new one i don't know what this <laughs> i know but i'm saying you because now, just, i mean it's good if it, you were to take it, a handlebar you know right off the shelf yeah. from a lot of brands right and this table right here is not flat necessarily sure that's their stock okay like we're locked down yeah. this one's perfectly flat but it's right. obviously covered and stuff 
If, if I didn't put my one, bars on the table, I don't think I would notice if it was off by... I know, know but that's a, what I'm a, saying. Like Some people are real picky about this. And this is the one right here. Uh -huh. You flip the bar up this way. Like You see that? Yeah. See how that one has a little rock to yeah, it? Yeah. Now, is that because the bar is off or is that because this table is not flat? Exactly. You know, I, I can't tell. I would go with table on that one. this is not a flat table. But yeah, and that's and that's pretty thin stock. This guy, it can't be that flat. No, that's just sheet metal, so I doubt that's flat. But yeah. uh, you know, this table I know is flat, and like, mm -hmm. and now you don't feel it, or is there a little? I mean, I feel like there might be like I'm. It's not locking in. It's not uh -huh. locking in, locking in like a bar that was real wonky wood. Yeah, yeah. But there, I feel like there might be a tiny bit of mm -hmm. like a tiny bit of rock there, but I don't think that's off. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to do better than that. So right. my point is, if you were to go to a bike shop and grab a bar from another brand, you you might see as much as like this. Wow, it's yeah. crazy, right? Honestly, but do you feel that? That's the <sighs> thing. That's why I kind of laughed. I mean, nothing against their group, but I yeah, mean, well, he's would picky. I even notice? You you, know? I, you and I probably wouldn't notice or it's, care. It's, yeah, <laughs> but he did. Or he right. does. No, but, good for him. I mean, he's been riding similar to. Uh, you know, like with your bike, if your bars are crooked a little bit or your yeah. cranks are bent a oh, tiny bit, right? Want, yeah. But you've been riding it for a long time. Yeah. And it's it's progressively gotten maybe worse. Uh-huh. And you don't realize it. It just feels normal to you. Yeah. And then your buddy right. gets on your bike and goes, man, what is going on with this? Right? And then you're and then you, get, then you get new cranks. Yeah, yeah. And now you feel like your cranks are bent. Yeah. It gets you get, in your head. Well, you get brand new cranks, yeah, and they're straight. But you've been yeah. riding cranks that were bent for right. so long that right. now straight cranks feel bent. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It happens. No, it makes it makes a ton of sense. Or you could have a bar. You throw your bike. You bend one yeah. side of your bar. Yeah. You don't even realize it, and yeah. then eventually you take it off. You throw it on the table. It might be way off, but yeah. you've been riding it like that for a long time. Right. Or your bars are crooked, mm -hmm. and you don't realize it until someone else gets on your bike and goes, "What is going on with this?" Right. Right. It feels straight to you because yeah. you've been riding it like that. Right. I mean, that's just how it is. If you're but, so, if you're because of setup, if you're making a frame, if you're doing yeah. a, a run of frames, the the setup is how long do you want to keep it set up like that? It, what's worth it? Yeah. How many bikes do you have to make to make it worth it to dedicate the whole oh. run? Well, I mean, it depends that. on how it depends on how business is going. If if business is just cranking, mm -hmm. which, you know, we're not in that time right now. Yeah. I would say I'd like to, I like to do a hundred of anything, you know, nowadays, I mean, we're down to, we would do a run of, I think we're starting on a run of 30 mm -hmm. BF frames next week, or we're starting to put the pieces oh, you're together. Doing. Okay. Yeah, we're doing BF frame. We're kind of going back and forth right now on whether uh -huh. on this go round, we're going to do his brakes upside down on the seat stay or if we're going to do them maybe change the frame up and do them right side up on the chain stay i got you because in the past brian's ridden a lot of street park yeah. right and trails right and his brakes have always been upside down on the seat stay yeah nowadays right. he takes his bike out to the trails and the guys clown him oh right because he's right. got upside down brakes well andy has brakes at all well all the trail guys got brakes <laughs> i'm just kidding it's just, yeah no it, i mean i mean, I mean i've seen people is, ride caddy with no brakes well and it's insane that's it just, that's a like, bad idea that's a bad idea. 
I don't know how they do it. It's it's a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, they got to pull back, mm -hmm. but they pull back a bunch. But then you're just you just start going faster and faster and pulling back more and more and more. Naturally, and you just got to go higher and higher. Gaining speed on every landing. It's a bad idea. Yeah, I I, I don't recommend it. I mean, <laughs> either. Look at all the best trail stuff yeah. we're doing nowadays. You yeah. know, Nate Hallahan's frame, Luke Hallahan's yeah. frame, Clint's frame. I mean, they all have brakes. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what these are right here. These are CCRs. Mm -hmm. This is what I ride. Yeah. This is, this is Clint's frame. Um, chainstay brakes. Right. Permanent. Right. Welded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the issue. Like, Brian's in no big hurry. He doesn't even want, he doesn't need a new frame until it's spring anyway. But yeah. we, we want to get rolling on it sooner than later because mm -hmm. we have time to do it right now and we might not sure. have time to do it later. But the right. only thing that's up in the air, like the geometry, he's... He loves. We're yeah. not changing the geometry. So the only thing we're, that we're up in the air on is the brakes. Gotcha. Gotcha. I've, so, I've one, I have one more quick question on the, the frame stuff. These gussets, do you make those here? Or do you just, is it cheaper no. just to buy a box of... We, there's a guy up in Anaheim that I've been working with since day one that makes these gussets for us. Oh, okay. So we order them. He gets the, the sheet material mm -hmm. in, this chromoly sheet material. He's got the tooling, stamps mm -hmm. the shape or stamps the profile yeah. and then stamps the um the curve and do you usually have the same diameter bottom tube so he knows what to hit for the bend well each of these gussets has a you know drawing oh okay so right. so they aren't all consistent no they're different i mean depending I mean, I, on the angle yeah. like you know depending on whatever the shape and oh. the diameter of the tube the thickness some bikes have thinner mm -hmm. material some have thicker material depending on gotcha. you know what the design is on the frame i mean but this particular gusset right here in uh -huh. the in the worksheet probably says right credence inch and three eighths gusset because we we might use that one on the black magic mm -hmm. or on the mod as okay. well as the ccr you know, like these you. are this is a there's a 24 inch you know race frame uh-huh um so that's a different gusset. Sure. Oh, right, right. Yeah. It makes so it might sense. be might be a thinner material mm -hmm. um, as well as like a different shape. But I mean, that's pretty light for a chrome Ollie 24 inch frame. I think so. Of course, yeah. I've been riding steel forever, so it's, yeah, it's hard for me to. I, to, I don't know. Yeah, they all feel good to me. No, I agree. I, I like this. This is a nice. This is a steel panther you know, uh -huh. 24 inch. Um, race frame and then yeah I think that's gonna be my next purchase from you yeah I've those been... are those are nice and then these are the newest frames these just these ones just came back from paint the other day uh-huh um, we've got a few more color combos there's yeah. a, there's one that's a half and half mm -hmm. and there's a couple more colors those ones are going to paint on Monday uh -huh. but this is the newest this is the boost cruise which is a this is a, a 29 inch Oh, right, you know, right. essentially like a wheelie bike, yeah, yeah, you, or a bike life type of thing. Sure. Um, but hydraulic. You know, this is probably the first. It's this amazing. might be the first production. Uh huh. S and M. Yeah. With a with a disc, because you know, like I said, we did black market mountain bikes. Yeah. Back in. This and this is the twenty. That's a this is twenty nine. Yeah. So that's for that bike. Yeah. Or that size. So yeah. You, God, another one that must really screw with your with having to keep these bends perfect uh, to fit in. the tire. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, but like, remember we looked at that machine that was yeah. doing the that was doing the punch press that was mm -hmm. doing the S bend. Yeah, that's a pretty good S bend. Yeah, you know, the, but we're able to get more tire clearance out of this uh, twenty nine inch booze cruise because it's one thirty five spacing. Oh okay. So that's that's big. 
Yeah. And VMX yeah. is like 112 or 110 oh, it, for the race frame. This is 135. Yeah, so because because we're spaced out more here, uh -huh. we can get space. It's easier to get the tire clearance here. Sure. Because we're going from here to here instead of from here to in here. Yeah. Gotcha. So we get a little more tire clearance because of the, the spacing. Right. So yeah, it's a 135. Uh -huh. we, we threw an extra bend in here, which we normally don't do. The race frame, I think. No, we don't do it there either. No. So this is one of the only frames where we have this. You know, you got this mm -hmm. bend and you got a second bend right here. So that, and the main reason for that was, I think it looks really cool too, but the main reason for it is trying to keep that tube parallel with right. the, with the chromoly plate, which is the disc mount. I got you. You know, if, if you didn't have that bend there, mm -hmm. you'd have this weird junction where the, yeah. this is coming out straight and that, you know, the, the dropout disc uh -huh. mounts coming straight and then the seat stay would be at an angle. Right. Which is weird. Yeah. So you throw that extra bend in there, keep all this <clears throat> parallel. I think it, it looks way cleaner. I think so. And then you know, so we're in the we're in the hydraulic world with S and M with this. Mm -hmm. Now, if we want to start putting that on twenty inch bikes, right? You know, oh, for can. disc. And I've got no. one over here. I can show you in a second <clears throat> that has a disc on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a basically a custom frame, but it's a twenty inch frame. Oh, I see. With a disc on it. Right. What, did you, you, uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the disc brakes? Well, I like having brakes, but the fact that it matters, we, even racing, you, you really don't use them. Right. So it's, it, it's, it's like a luxury to me. It's, yeah. You know, it would be nice to not have to deal with, with cable stretch because uh, the discs are usually hydraulic. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, you can get a cable actuated disc, but it's garbage. That's what I would think. Yeah, they're garbage. Yeah. You, if you're going to have a disc, you're going to have a hydraulic uh, right. setup. Right. I mean, I, it's it's like I'd be treating myself to something really cool, yeah. but it's not really necessary. That's the way I kind of feel about it, but, but it looks cool, and the yeah. bike just looks like it's kind of a... Not a work of art, but just something that's really just... Up well, I think the, I think a, the advantage of it on a race bike, which I don't know how much people are taking advantage of, of it, is uh -huh. that you can have a totally different rim. You can have a totally different yeah, hoop. Yeah, now you can yeah, have a yeah, carbon yeah. fiber rim. Let's say you want, you can have a carbon fiber hoop yeah. that's aerodynamic, all about doesn't that. have parallel sides, yeah. doesn't have to support the strength of the pads coming in from yeah. left to right. Right. You can just have this carbon fiber, super light rim. Could be tall. Right. So that your spokes would be really short. Right. So you could have this really light race yeah. wheel, and yeah. now you've got a, a hydraulic disc on it. Right. You can do a really small rotor. Like the one I'm going to show you has a 120 on it. It's tiny. Um, now you have a totally different rim. Yeah, you're kind of selling me on this now because I forgot about that benefit of not having to worry about anything right. with the wheel. Right. With the outer. And let's areas. say the wheel's flexing, rubbing on the brake pad up at the top. Or it's you're at a race and maybe someone took spokes out first moto, but you still have the rest of the day to go. Right. So You're it, rubbing. Rubbing and not if you have discs. Yeah, I mean, also, it could be lighter. The whole setup could be lighter. It's down lower. Right, right. It's in the back. It's yeah. right around the axle. And you could glide a little more, I think. You know, just touch. The problem with the disc is, and that's why I have the 120 on the one I'm going to show you in a minute. Yeah. Um, is it grabs too much. But you yeah. can get different pads now that don't grab as much. You mm -hmm. can get, you know, you don't need the two-piston design. You can get a single piston 
with some pads that are, you know, I think like organic pads uh -huh. don't, they don't grab as much. Yeah. So you can't really modulate it mm -hmm. like you can a, a cable break right. in the same way that you would a cable break. But, right. uh, you know, different pads. It is kind of like our old school breaks. You get yeah. pads. Right. Some people like a grabby pad, mm -hmm. right? You can have a bigger pad, smaller right. pad, right. depending on what you want. So yeah. it's kind of like that. Right. Same sort of deal. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. You know, a nice hydraulic brake setup from Shimano or SRAM or something is a uh -huh. lot of money. Right. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I ride them we'll on, on my mountain bike and I wish I had them on my road bike, but yeah. Then, but I don't like replacing bikes yeah. like that. My, my, later, my that newest road often. bike that I have has disc brakes on it, front yeah. and rear, which right. looks real weird to me. Right, yeah, it, it does. It does at first, but that's why I see when when I see it on a BMX bike, it seems like just this upgrade, just this cool upgrade. Like, yeah, right. I want to I want to make this bike really cool, right? Smooth everything, right? But it, here's it, but here's the issue. Like, say uh, one of these, you know, like these are Rambler Rambler frames right here. You oh, know? okay. So Hallahan frames, right? These guys are trail riders, mm -hmm. so you would think, oh yeah, they could probably run a disc but the thing is they need a regular rim because they need the strength of the mm -hmm. back rim they're not going to have a carbon fiber rim so they don't get to no. take advantage of any of these benefits that i'm talking yeah. about the right. other thing is they they might do a grind mm -hmm. not that they're going to throw a peg on there but look that's a 14 mil axle slot so right. why even bother having having a 14 mil axle slot if you're not going to throw a peg on there yeah. that's why clint has a three eighths oh okay which is what i ride the ccr yeah. is three yeah. eighths because he's not going to throw pegs on. He's not going to throw pegs on. But let's no. say you are going to throw pegs on. Now you're going to slip off your peg and smash your disc. Right, right. You know, now you're going to ruin your brakes. Yeah, it makes no sense. To, it makes yeah. zero sense. Yeah. For these guys. You know, like Clint rode a disc for a little bit and didn't like it. And, mm -hmm. and now he has a regular brake. But same yeah. thing with Clint. I mean, uh, he might do a... Who knows what Clint's going to do? I mean, Hoder yeah. doesn't ride pegs and he does uh -huh. rails. Really? Yeah, he just does a, big handrails. On like the dropouts. I was going to say just a barely on the axle. Yeah. No, not on the axle. He does it on the dropout. Really? Front and rear. Oh, so he's just... Yeah. He's just hitting that space. You're just landing on the dropout front oh. and rear. So he would never... You're not on the axle this. nut. You're on the dropout. Yeah. You, you should check out Hoder's latest edit that we just put up on S&M. He does a few big handrails and there's no pegs. Really? Yeah. It's I've only wild. known a couple. I think Rob Delecki does them that way too. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and those guys aren't even... Rob probably rides brakes, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he would want a regular back rim. Right. He doesn't need, he, he needs, he can't have a disc. Right. You know, he's going to smash it. Right. So yeah. guys are either going to be riding with no brakes or they're going to be riding with traditional mm -hmm. um, U-brakes. But in the racing world, yeah, I would imagine eventually people are going to use different rims. Right. Discs, but very small with single piston calipers with some kind of mm -hmm. pad that's not grabby right and that's the setup i have on the bike i'll, I'll show you right now but uh, it, so yeah that's the basic you know rundown on how the shop operates there's a lot more little details oh i'm here. sure uh we didn't even go into actually we'll go in the tool room real fast so jason works in here making all the fixtures oh, okay so the fixtures that we were looking at earlier um they're all made in here yeah so these, this mill, this lathe, they don't, these, these machines don't really get used for production. Uh -huh. <laughs> they generally just get used for sampling, prototypes, stuff like that. And something so, you would send off to be made? So, so no, for instance, a, a fit, that would you send it? Well, what, a he would, what he would do in here is make, 
this piece and this piece mm -hmm. and this piece. He would make this whole fixture in right. here. I got you. You know. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about fixtures, so it's it's pretty much S and M credence. Right. Not fit. Fit. You're just sending the design out, and they're. Well, it depends. All the, the American made fit stuff. So the um, Shane oh, Hallahan's bike, the little, the little, the smallest yeah, of the yeah, three yeah. brothers, right. is squib fit squib. That's made here. Oh, okay. BF's frame will be made here. Oh, I just the high end fit, fit stuff is made here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm so glad we talked about that because yeah. I assume. No, fit we've was, been making fit you know, stuff here since day one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I okay. mean, geez, when when we were making uh, like Aikens frames, we were yeah. doing, you know, back in his heyday, that was we were probably doing three, four hundred Aiken frames a month. Yeah, I mean, place, I figured you were. Was just I figured you were making them for those sponsored guys, but then everything else was just done mm -hmm. overseas. No, but it's really the completes then. Right? The completes are all like up here. Mm -hmm. You know what you're seeing up here. Yeah, that's all imported. Right. No, all the high end fit stuff's made here. That's, that's, so right now that that entails you know like that, mm -hmm. that includes the, like I said the squib yeah. frames are made here BF's frames will be made here uh -huh. all the the brand new stuff Cole Volker's frame oh okay. you know all those yeah the Young Buck frames yeah they're all made here I didn't know all that. the high end fit stuff's made here yeah is this a challenger by the way no that's that's interesting you asked that that's actually going to be Jason Ball Timmy Ball's signature frame really this is just. He's got one right now, uh -huh. but this is just another sample yeah. that we're making out of a, an old, this is sort of like an old fashioned fixture. Uh -huh. So this is how we used to make fixtures. Right. This is how we used to build frames before uh -huh. we started using the fixtures that I showed you earlier. So this was right. originally the, um, this was the LAF fixture. Uh -huh. The black bike came out of here and it looks like a metal frame came out uh, of this fixture okay. as well. So it's, it's totally adjustable. So you could do different geometries out of the same fixture. Mm -hmm. So this is the way we used to do it. Um, and you know, you can, if you're a welder, you've got uh -huh. this in front of you. And this is the way, this is the way all your small American manufacturers are doing frames probably right now. Right. So you make this U shape thing, you uh -huh. send it out, you have it, like I said earlier, Blanchard ground like the table. So uh -huh. both sides are ground down. So right. now you, you have a perfectly parallel left and right side so all these plates everything that you start welding to this u-shape uh -huh. you know is perfectly symmetrical because these two sides have been ground down so uh -huh. that they're perfectly parallel so this thing is true right down the center yeah well that's cool and then you just start building it up from there um so what this is is jason ball's you know signature s&m frame mm -hmm. um it's you know we haven't done a monostay like this in a long time no it's pretty cool yeah, that's so this has got a little bit more like middle of the road geometry, like mid school kind of geometry, mm -hmm. where the back end is going to be fourteen. Right. It's right. not fourteen and a half. You know, right. this is this is a pretty long back end for us nowadays. The CCR. Oh it's yeah, pretty long because he's at what thirteen and thirteen and change. You know what? I don't have a tape measure. Oh, it's all right. Uh, no, I think it's longer than that because I ride one. And I think mine's at fourteen. Two five maybe oh, okay. something like that. So Jason's frame is kind of like a mid school mm -hmm. style frame, and we're getting ready to make these in the next couple of weeks. He's got his own custom uh, engraved head tube. Right. He's gonna have permanent brakes. Uh huh. Um, I don't know where the drawing is. His brakes might be. He might end up with the brakes up top. I'm not sure. Oh. Anyway, this is an interesting situation because you got the guy that runs the shop building his own signature frame right now yeah which is cool. wild because he's is. been riding on snm for 30 years he's never right. had a signature frame right but people love his bike 
So he's yeah. down at Sheep. He'll be at Sheep riding today. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, awesome. he, he left here last night to go to Sheep, you know. Uh-huh. And it, this is a white Oh, yeah, look. So his brakes are, uh, it's like his brakes are going to be on upside top? down. Oh, upside. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know which direction we were looking at. Yeah, but we've got bomb. a mono stay here. Yeah. So this is clearly the seat stay. Yeah. And there's our brakes. Um, nice. You know, this... That's one. Oh, that's okay. a 3D version, but you can't gotcha. see the brake mounts. But this so is, you're under. Yeah. <laughs> this is upside down yeah. version of, of this self assembly. I got gotcha. you. Uh, cool. Yeah, you got the you got Jason building his own signature bike. That's great. That's pretty cool. It is cool. If I were welding all the time, I would want to mess well, around from, with my I, own that's stuff. That's what I love about that whole deal. Is like, you know, I was around GT a lot when I was a kid. Uh -huh. Gary Turner didn't ride bikes. No. I mean, no. GT was only 10 years old at that time yeah. when I was floating around there as a kid. Sure. He was already like this old dude. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, was just into drag race. Right. Drag racing. Right. Now, our shop manager, who's mm -hmm. been, you know, a rider on the team, rode dirt in the X Games and everything, builds our shit. He's making a signature bike. <laughs> That's awesome. And he runs the shop. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. Like, nobody, I mean, it's Laird, kind of I late. guess Laird, yeah, I mean, yeah. Laird could go out and, sure. you know, still ride at a pro yeah. level. Yeah. And, but he's, kind of a one-man show over there it's a small yeah, operation same with uh defcon or um which is mike uh oh, geez, courts. Say, no courts no not, not john courts not, not the, guy oh, from gotcha. the guy that just did a batch for um oh gosh who was it for well i think uh i think courts just did that animal friend. that's right that's courts did that that's right off Def, to look Defcon's, it up. he's been making nice stuff oh really I yeah know, he's a writer he's a oh yeah big what's time. his name uh, oh my gosh, I, I forget everything nowadays. That's all right. I see him often enough. Um, did he come from another company? Like, did he work no, in the industry? No, nope, you know? not even in the industry. Just a guy that's a machinist for I, work. So. I know who I know who he is. I didn't know he was a, a writer as well, but that's cool. Oh, and yes, I like definitely. that the way that's been happening lately. Mm -hmm. You know, with either Spooky Dave, right. or with Quartz, right. or Defcon. It's cool that these little. It's gonna make everybody's life easier in yeah. a way because we're gonna be able to get material hopefully in the future easier because if there's more people doing, because for a long time we've been the mm -hmm. only people doing this. Right. You know, there was a right. period in time when Brock and, and Spooky Dave came out from, from FBM oh and stayed gosh, with yeah. me and, and I kind of I kind of like brought them up to speed on how to do this more efficiently because they weren't doing it very efficiently. Right. And like right. I said, Brock and Dave came out, and I tried to show them how to do essentially what we're doing to this day. Right. And they went back to uh, uh, Ithaca or wherever they were, Rochester. Yeah. Where were they, Ithaca? Ithaca, yeah. Yeah, and they tried to implement some of that. Mm -hmm. But in the end, you know, it, it didn't work out. They, they couldn't make any money, and, you know, unfortunately, right. FBM's not doing that anymore. But yeah. now you got all these other little guys starting yeah. up. Moliterno's doing it. Yeah. You know, you got these little shops. They're going to need material. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to be going to the suppliers asking for material that otherwise might not even be getting made anymore. Right. This stuff is getting right. harder and harder to find. I bet. We sell all this stuff on our website. So we've sold to all these guys, you know. Oh, okay. I don't know if you ever go on the S&M site. You can go to the DIY section and you'll see all these frame parts are for sale. On the way. Yeah, so, so we sell head drop tubes, outs, head tubes drop outs, bottom brackets, brake mounts, hmm. different pieces of material. Yeah. Um, which is good for us because if we have a frame that's discontinued right and we have a bunch of pieces left over sure instead of just trashing them or sitting on them forever yeah. we mm -hmm. put them on the site and then these home builders can buy a couple of them and start yeah. messing around trying to build a frame 
So I feel like we're kind of helping that scene along, right. but also you know selling some old inventory too at the yeah. same time, which right. is good for us. And you, um, talk, you talk about expensive machines. I mean, they, they can't. There's yeah. no way you're going to invest in all those machines. Well, you know, like this cost kind of more stuff. Than the you know, house you've got a ton of these. You know, like let's say you've mm-hmm. got a ton of these head tubes, like whatever this one. So, so that's a fit. Okay, that's a uh-huh. fit head tube. Right. That one probably we wouldn't sell because it's engraved. Right. But it, it, we we do sell stuff like like this, right? Um, so this is just a head tube, mm-hmm. integrated, you know, 45-45 style, yeah. 41.8 millimeter, whatever, campy style. Everybody uses this on their frames nowadays. Uh, you can buy that on our site. Right. And then and you, then can, you just... can you can put that in, you know, quartz or... Mm-hmm. Or whatever, DEFCON. I mean, they've all probably got their own suppliers, and you know, they're. I think they do. I think he had a. They're a, bigger a now, so they don't need to do this. But if right. they were just trying to build one frame, they mm-hmm. could buy a head tube from us. And, right. You know, we even sell stuff like this. We sell head tube material that hasn't been really touched. Oh, gotcha. So they could buy this, take it to their own place, or put it on their own lathe, yeah. and they could turn yeah. it down to the profile that they wanted, and then they could, you know. They could do the ID themselves. Yeah. I mean, they could make it themselves from this if they sure. wanted. Or they could buy 5,000 feet of this, which is what we do. Oh, okay. And you buy 5,000 feet of this. Heck no. I mean, these guys are working so much home money. shops. Yeah, it's so much money. It's yeah. so much material. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could take you next door because we have like three other warehouses. Oh, they're, they're all attached? Well, we've got building. one next door. We've got one across the street over here. And then we've got one that's like 15 miles from there. Oh, I guess. But we have three other warehouses, mainly full of just fit, complete bikes. Wow. Yeah, there's three warehouses full of these bikes. By the way, I think DEFCON is Mike Mike, uh, Mulvaney, maybe? Okay. I keep getting the last name wrong. DEFCON Mike, though. Yeah, cool. Anyway, yeah, it's a a side thing for him, just for fun. Oh, okay. Well, good. I mean, he'll do runs, but... So the problem with getting this stuff overseas is... You've got to get a ton of pieces, right? Yeah, so, right. Say you're sourcing from Taiwan, like, you know, Kink and Colt mm-hmm. and Sabrosa, everybody. They're, they're all basically making their frames in the same shop right? in Taiwan. Everybody right. makes their frames in the same shop. We do, too. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. with some of the fit stuff, the yeah. height, like the, the shortcut and the mixtape are made in Taiwan in the same shop that all the Kinks and right. Colts and Sabrosas and everybody else. I think the only shop that only company that doesn't use that shop is Sunday because oh, okay. they have their own shop that is, is more like, you know, mm-hmm. their own little deal that they're right. not sharing with anybody. Sure. Good for them. But how many shops are like yours where you could do every part of it here? I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's not even the case in Taiwan. So the, the frame shop that everybody uses in Taiwan, mm-hmm. like I said, including us, they primarily only put the back end of the frame on. So they sub out the front triangle, at least the last time I was there. Maybe that's changed. But the last time I was in the shop, they sub out the front triangle because that's relatively easy. Uh Front triangle is easy. Right. Comparatively to the the rear triangle. You don't have all that bending. Right. I mean, look at what's going on in the rear triangle. You got four tubes. You got two bridges, drop outs, Mm -hmm. two pieces that need to be parallel. Right. The brake mounts need to be parallel. There's a lot going on with the back end. Those miters are tricky because you have to miter the sub-assemblies after they're put together. Right. So they do that themselves. And they're really, uh, they're, they're pretty darn good. Ted and Melody are the, the owners of that shop. And they're really good at that. But they were subbing out the front triangle. Then they put the back triangle on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, send it to paint and whatever. Right. Right. Um, but everybody's in the same boat over there. There's uh-huh. minimum order quantities. 
are probably started coming down because the business is so bad right sure. now. Right. But it used to be the minimum order quantity created mm -hmm. a barrier to entry. Right. So you had to get, you know, 500 frames. Right. Uh, and then, I, I, yeah. you know, and then the turnaround time uh -huh. takes forever. Yeah. The shipping from overseas, yeah. the duty oh, with the government, all this crap. Right. But you, you go to courts. I or, think we all got a good view on that with, during COVID exactly. when there's all these, all these containers that were just right. sitting out waiting to, right. come in, waiting to, to unload. Right. But here mm -hmm. we can move really fast. You know, yeah. like right now these CCRs are sitting on the rack. Uh -huh. and I don't even know what color those are going to be. Right. Because Melissa has been talking to Jamie mm -hmm. who's talking to Clint. Clint's in Australia on that. SM. Oh, right. He's at the ACT jam yeah. in Australia. But yeah. they're coming up with new colors over the weekend. And then Monday morning, Jason told me last night, he was like, you got to get me the colors by Monday. Yeah. So Jamie and Clint and, and Melissa are uh -huh. all coming up with the colors. Monday morning, they'll have them to Jason. Jason will find the colors at the paint shop, and these will go to paint early next week. That full round. But as of right now, yeah. I can't even tell you what color those are going to be. Right. Whereas if we were in the Taiwan model, sure. like everybody else is, right, <laughs> we wouldn't even see those frames for months. No, no, it takes forever. You can't just you can't just you know right. call the paint shop on Monday and get those right. in some new color. So basically, you got to commit. You, you got to commit you, months you, ahead of time, right? Yeah, and then COVID made that even more difficult. So it's just it's it's so much cooler yeah. and easier to make frames yeah. here in some ways. Of course, the cost is the is the issue. Sure. Because that frame is going to cost. I mean, the cost to build that frame is probably, honestly, break even on, on that frame or like this, any of these frames after they're back from yeah. paint. I mean, break even on these frames would probably be like somewhere between two and 300 bucks <coughs> to make it. And that's a, but yeah, I can get that frame. a lot of work in I that can bike. get that frame from... Taiwan, uh -huh. like, like I said, a Sabrosa, Kink, a Cult, whatever, right. a BSD, any of these brands can yeah. get that frame for 120 Yeah. 120 yeah. bucks. There's well, less than half price. The, yeah. Less than half There's price. There's not a ton of money in there. No, because Taiwan's expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you got right. that frame in China, in some mm -hmm. brands, yeah. maybe even have gone to mainland China. Right. I mean, I'm sure Haro's probably come from right. mainland China. It, like now you're talking about steel like, still chromoly high-end right. aftermarket frame right i don't know for a fact i've been i spent a lot of time in mainland china and i've seen frames getting made that weren't complete bikes you know, right. they were aftermarket frames whether right. there's a lot of brands you know colony and oh my gosh there's, there's so, so many, many brands right there's and so i don't know who's in mainland china who's in taiwan maybe there's a mix yeah certain models probably come from mainland china sure. but you could probably get the frame so yeah, i could get that frame in mainland china for 70 60 yeah maybe 60 bucks right okay taiwan 120 yeah and then here probably like i said maybe 250 what, what so is, that's where we're at it's yeah like, yeah you know one right. and how many two, hours and are, four right price wise and how many hours does it take to do the lap to build a frame it depends on what design it is how many <laughs> you're doing in a row without changing how fast the guys weld Right. It's, uh, there's so many variables. How, how many hours roughly are into the credence? You know, I, I really, I couldn't tell you. I, I could I could sit down and figure, I would imagine. I mean, I realize you have to divide it out because you're There's so, so many, many guys. You got yeah. cutting, you got bending, you got mitering, right. you got welding. But if one guy sat down, start to finish, to mm -hmm. build that frame, and he was going to cut every tube, bend every tube, weld every tube. Right. 
do that whole frame start to finish, even if he was super fast and he worked in a system like this, mm -hmm. it would take him at least six hours, maybe eight hours yeah, make to make that frame. That. Yeah. You don't. Right. You don't make money on no, that. You make money on the complete bikes. Right. But now that doesn't right. make any money anymore because right. the market's flooded and you're right. giving them away. Right. Now the only yeah. people that are making any money are the bike shops. Yeah. Because I'm not making, I'm right. losing money when I sell those. Right. But then the right. bike shop makes money. Yeah. <laughs> so in that, right. or you make money if you sell it to the end user retail direct, but then right. the bike shop gets upset. Right. And then the kid has yeah. to build it himself. Yeah. And then maybe he builds it wonky mm -hmm. and then he has a terrible experience. Right. So then you're like, oh, that's why we sell the bike shops. Yeah. But bike shops want to make a 40% margin oh my God. on the bike. They want to sell a bike for 600 bucks. They want three, you know, they want 200 of it to 250 of it to be margin. It sounds, it's, it's insane. It's, it sounds a little bit like my, the business I'm in with plumbing and heating wholesale where yeah. you got a, you got the plumber. He's making far more, far many more points than we are. We're, you know, we're happy if we can get an average of 20% on the Because you're selling them the parts. Selling the parts. But then they go and mark them up. If they're not making 50, 75%, they're pissed off. I know. You know, and it's like, you're making a hell of a lot more than we are, buddy. You know, we sold you the furnace or boiler or whatever it is. Come and fix know. that one. And I'm, I swear I've got people out here working on these, like heaters and stuff yeah. like this all the time. Oh, yeah. And the amount they, they mark up, say, a part. Say yeah. the, that's gas, right? Yeah. So, so just just replacing igniters or, yeah, or exactly. transformers or whatever. Or you get on the roof and work on the carriers, like the big ones. Yeah. The big yeah. carriers oh, yeah. we have Rooftop on the roof. Yeah. yeah, for heat and AC yeah. in the offices. Right. In this business, the only way you can pull this stuff off is using your working mm -hmm. with your friends. Yeah. So my friends do electrical work. My friends do plumbing. My uh, friends right. do all heat and AC. Yeah. These are all riders. Right. And then right. we're trading. Yeah. It's the only way you can do it. Oh, absolutely. Like my buddy Bill, he does all the carrier units on the roof. He does, you know, his heating and AC. It's all he does. Sure. So he comes in, services the machines, mm -hmm. replaces things that are burned out, whatever. And right. And I just give him bikes and he races and, and rides the trails. And that's how you, you have to it. do Saves it. You. If yeah. I had to pay or like these sinks are getting backed up all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've got friends that do plumbing and come in, clean the lines out, replace right. things. Right. We, or we do a lot of that kind of stuff ourselves too. Right. A lot sure. of plumbing and stuff I do, or Jason does. Mm -hmm. If we had to pay retail on that, oh man. Oh, I know it. It's it's a, and you know it's tough. Yeah, and and not criticizing these contractors. It's just the the disparity. I don't think they realize that we we have to work on volume and right. get that twenty percent over, say a million in sales to this contractor. Right. To really make money yeah it, i know it's you got to pump out a lot of material you gotta sell a lot of material well i know in my business but i, I know how, believe me it, i know how it works yeah yeah and, so, I, and i feel your pain um, yeah, yeah in here this is where we so in here is where we're sandblasting stuff mm -hmm. so if we have big sandblasting jobs we send them out so right. you know if we're gonna get 200 bars back from the heat treater right <laughs> they all have to be sandblasted yeah. before they can get painted mm -hmm. we're gonna send that out yeah. And somebody with a bigger unit's gonna do it. But if we're doing just a small little run, five pieces, or mm -hmm. or one person has to get their their one thing sandblasted, whatever, yeah. we're gonna do it ourselves. Right. So that's our own little sandblasting unit, bud. My uh if you don't mind, we'll uh we'll hit those letters in a minute because yeah. I've got Are you dying? what's that? Are you dying? Your battery? Oh no no, I'm good on battery. I was looking at the time. Oh, what, I time gotta... your, what time is your what time is your eleven thirty? Yeah, 11.30 at uh, Business House. Yeah, you got to get out of here in, let's say, 15 minutes. Okay. So, you yeah, we were thinking it'd be cool. You don't want to be here any longer than that. 
I I really enjoyed that part. That was that yeah, was that's awesome. The, that's my favorite part of yeah. this business, honestly. And if we didn't if we didn't do that, yeah, I'm not sure I'd be in this business. You know, I right. don't want to do I don't want to do the uh, like everybody else. I I don't want to just sit in front of a computer all day, right? You know, and not have any hands in anything like that. Sure. I just don't. It doesn't seem fun to me. No. After no. maybe I'm spoiled because I've been doing it like this since '99. Yeah. Prior to '99, I was kind of like that. I everything was outsourced, so I. But right. I was doing it all domestically, so I was I was in these kinds of shops right. every day. They just weren't our shop. Right now, when you work overseas, it's a little bit more like you're just creating drawings and names and colors and sticker mm -hmm. packs, and you're basically trading paper. Right. And then you're more in the marketing end of the business. Right. You know? So like a kink right. or like I said, all these other brands, they're marketing brands. Right. Basically. Right. Nobody's really, there's no, there's not a lot of product innovation happening in our little world at this point. Uh -huh. It's just people are trying to survive. Right. And it's basically just uh, colors and sticker packs and who's on the team. And it's just all right. marketing. Right. Which is yeah. like, eh, it's cool, but it's, it's also kind of a pain in the ass be honest oh i can imagine you know like and it's a, like building stuff that actually making parts mm -hmm. it's just a, it feels a lot cooler to me yeah right right than right. just dealing with all that kind of bs uh, all the time yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah, trying we're... to get so-and-so on the team so-and-so is quitting the team and oh there, you know God. there's all this drama it's just like uh yeah i don't know how you do it with that I, well i've gotten better at it over the years but yeah uh, so, you know, we also do, I thought there were some parts laid out here, but we do stems and sprockets and stuff like that on our own equipment as well, but it's in another shop and it's, it's, it's probably 10 miles from here. And you're just machining aluminum. Machining just... aluminum, big, you know, Haas, CNC, like VF, you know, threes. Yeah. That's what sure. we have over there. I got so you. we're doing the sprockets, we're doing the stems. They're American made as well. Yeah. And they used to be, funny, they, the, one, the one VF3 used to be right here, uh -huh. the walls painted white. Yeah. We actually painted that wall white before we put the VF3 in here, but uh -huh. we didn't have the mezzanine at that time. Yeah. And the VF3 was sitting right here. There's even in this old banner. Uh -huh. There's like a photo. There's a photo of. Oh yeah, see this guy up here at the top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's running that VF3. Yeah. That used to be right there. But the problem uh -huh. with having CNC mills in here. Oh, and there's uh -huh. another photo of rednecks. Yeah. Coming out of the hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. In front of that white wall. Yeah. The problem with those machines in here uh -huh. was that number one, they were super loud, yeah, and they took okay. a lot of electricity. I mean, oh, they were like yeah. the lights would dim when they yeah. were running. They're real loud. And the other thing the, was, you really need to be efficient in that manufacturing world. You need like three, four machines with one guy mm -hmm. managing four yeah. machines at one time, right? We right. didn't have that. We had one right. machine and one guy. Yeah. So we've got that guy just standing there. Right. Right. Waiting yeah. for that cycle time to run out so he can open the door and move everything to the next position. It didn't make any sense. No. That guy needs to be doing four machines. Yeah. To make it make sense. Because right. he'll be unloading this one in two minutes, this one in two minutes, this one in two minutes, and this one in two minutes. And he's hustling, going around all day doing all those four machines. Yeah. When you've got yeah. him sitting there running uh -huh. one machine... You're not making any money. No. And that's why I had no. to get it out of here. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I really loved making those because I was subbing rednecks and sprockets and all these other parts out to other shops. And I was uh -huh. going into bike shops. The first time it happened to me, it was shocking. But I went to a bike shop and found our parts that were bootlegged. Oh, my 
And it was actually like a bike, it was Bike Alley right over here. It was owned by Ruben Sanchez. And he had, he since sold it and got uh, out of the business. But right. my local bike shop right by the track, by Orange Y, he had rednecks in his shop that weren't, that he didn't buy from us. Right, right. And I went in there and said, what, what's, well, where'd you get these? And he right. just, oh, I mean, he was like, he could tell he was. A little uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable. <laughs> and eventually I figured it out. He was buying them from the rep from the machine shop that was making them. So the guy that was making them for me was also taking them around um, and selling no. them to shops. That relationship was over. Yeah, right? that's why I bought that first VF3, but that was like, yeah. it was like 100K when I bought that. Right. Right, and then I ended up buying another one down the uh -huh. road and another one, and then I've right. sent sold uh -huh. one of them, but they're in someone else's shop, a buddy of mine's shop, and yeah. then he charges me for the parts, uh -huh. but he charges me less because he's using our equipment. I got you. Yeah. So it's a better scenario. Oh, absolutely. But they're still American-made. They're just made up the road. Uh -huh. And we're good friends, and I trust him, and he's not selling our stuff you yeah. know, under the table. Right. Oh, that's and we're not... Yeah, right. here, you know, I have one guy standing here making $25 an hour to do nothing for eight minutes and right. work every eight sure. minutes. You know? Oh, absolutely. Which was kind of... That was the problem, but... Yeah. Anyway, all that stuff this makes, is a, its, makes its way down here and gets stickered, and the guys uh -huh. pack it up here and you know yeah. ship it out. But uh, I'll show you that bike real quick, and then we'll do the letters, and we'll get you out of here. All right. And by the way, final answer, Mike Maloney. Okay. It's Mike Maloney from DEFCON. Okay. I'm going to look. What kind of riding did he do? Like, what world trails. does he come from? Trails? Yeah, he's trails. And what state? New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, really cool guy. Super so, smart. this is gonna be the bike that i'm gonna ride full-time this is what i've been riding full-time ccr yeah regular brake setup uh-huh um i just love this bike I, it's i've been riding this bike since i think 2018 uh-huh maybe the only thing i've changed is i think a couple maybe a pedal pedals or grips or tires that's or funny. something that's it i've been riding the same bike for you know years forks everything yeah oh, man. i know I, no i've been warned so and this I, is my new, this is the bike I'm going to be riding. Mine, no. This is the bike I'm going to be riding. It's a custom frame. Yeah. Slightly taller standover. Um, but here's here's what I really wanted to show you. So look yeah. at that little 120. Yeah. Like I found this 120 yeah. disc mm -hmm. from a little kid's bike. Oh, okay. Like in Taiwan from a little kid's bike. Yeah. And I mounted it to a profile hub because uh -huh. it's got the same pattern for the yeah. bolts. But it's a 120. Look how tiny it is. It is small. Yeah, it's tiny. It, it looks a lot cooler that way. Than a 140 or a 160. Oh God, I mean, yeah. you're talking, guys yeah. are out here with these things. Mm -hmm. And then this caliper is a single piston caliper. And I, like I said, I've got these organic pads on there. Mm -hmm. So it's not real grabby. Right. Um, so I'm right. going to be taking my parts off that bike, putting uh -huh. on this bike. But this is the other thing that's, that's odd for me is like the lever. The way yeah. the lever has these sharp edges on here. Yeah. That's what I'm used to. Me too. And when you pull this in, you know, feel it hit your knuckle. Like if you one finger it, now it's, the sharp edges are hitting your knuckle. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. And you can't, like an old school brake lever, you can't bend it. Bend it out. No, it'll just break. Right, right. So this, <laughs> I feel like maybe there's some room here to mm -hmm. maybe take this off. Right. And then go to <laughs> the CNC shop uh -huh. and start making our own. Because I want a little more kick on it. Right. I want it out here. Yeah. And I want it shorter. Right. So maybe that's that's maybe the fix is mm -hmm. making this on our own. Right. You know, using this Shimano uh -huh. reservoir. Right. And this whole, 
you know, yeah. set up with the caliper and the line and everything. Mm -hmm. But then remaking this, because this is what I don't like. Right. I don't like the lever right. at all. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. No, that I is that. There's yeah. nothing you can do about that. I think mm -hmm. maybe you can put this set screw in. Yeah. You know, to bring it in or something. But then you'd have to tighten up the pads, right? But you can't. Because it's all preset hydraulic. Preset right? hydraulic. I mean, yeah. maybe you pump different fluid in it. I don't know. That works different. You know, you yeah. might have a thicker fluid or a thinner sure. fluid. Oh, like I didn't a, even like think a dirt about that. bike. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's just it. And then what happens if I crash on this? Oh, yeah. Look at that thing. Right. Look at my old lever. That thing yeah. is hammered. I get the same thing. Not not as I not mean, as hammered. hard as this, but yeah, it's hammering. Like, for look, sure. this isn't gonna survive that. No. One of those crashes no. like that, this thing's gonna bust open. Oh, absolutely. Squirt me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Terry, tonight you have to start putting your your goggles on. <laughs> right. Instead, of keep them on the helmet. I know. I love that. <laughs> Man, what is going on with that? I've never seen them wear the goggles. No. The no. I've never seen them on either. So good. It's great. That's what makes Terry Terry. You gotta. I love, love Terry tonight. Uh -huh. All right. Well, let's look at these letters real fast. Yeah. 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 My buddy's seen read them. He's like, oh my god, you just gotta have him read them. Yeah. Because no, I will. It's I a will. Fla it's a flashback in time. So. If you read them, you, you. I will. So yeah. I mean, this is a state of affairs for us. Normally, uh -huh. up here we're riding the ramp, we're skating. Yeah. Um, we put these pieces in. It makes a whole bowl. So oh this whole God. front room is a bowl. No way. It's super fun for bikes and skateboards. Yeah. But as you can see, there's no riding or skating going on yeah. here. There's just a bunch of seats. Uh huh. A bunch of seats. Right. And keep in mind, like I said, there's three other buildings. Three other warehouses full of this kind of stuff. You have to have the patience of a saint. Uh, intense. Yeah. Right, we're going to go over here and open these letters. No, yeah. So. You'll uh, be able to tell. So I think I sent. All right. So we're, we're opening these letters that I got names. from you after me. Uh, you know, after me mailing to you. Yeah. Gork so gave, gork set the stage. Gave you. Set the stage for me here. So. We came late, out, or late somebody 80s. from Action came out to Sunnyside. That was, that was after. Oh, okay. So this is just me when I wanted to buy my first Mad Dog, when you and Greg Scott were doing it. Okay. And, uh... 1987. Yes, exactly. So these letters are dated, postmarks, January of 80, uh, 1998. I'm sorry, 88. 88. So, but the letter I'm sure I sent you at the end of the, uh, end of 87. So, first of so, all, what, what made you want to buy a Mad Dog? I saw an ad. I heard about it. I'd seen your ride, you know, because you were in the magazines at that point. Right. And I just, I connected with what you were doing for okay. sure. And I just, we were doing a lot of the same stuff. I was right. just on the East Coast. I mean, of course, you were doing it better. So we're doing tricks. We're racing. We're riding a little street. Yeah. So it was kind of like, wow, this guy is, is where I want to be at. Yeah. You know, I want to race and, and ride. So you, do you write, <coughs> do you write a letter to me? I did. So I won't. And this is the reply. That one of yeah. So this, this is the oldest one. This, this is, is from this is from January fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. So this is slightly before that one. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you write me a letter. I write. I write we, you we don't a have the letter you write. I don't me. have it. No. No. Okay. No. Oh you you God. may have it somewhere, but. And I wrote in cursive. You did. Look it's at pretty this. impressive. Nobody, you know, my kids are in fourth grade. They yeah. don't write in cursive. Oh, my kids don't. Yeah. They don't write in cursive at all. No. They don't even teach it. No, this, no, they don't. This cursive looks really good. It does. It's very legible. So yeah, it's, oh, it's pretty funny. I need plus you had glasses here. Plus you had the uh, 
at that time, let's see, geez, you had a lot going on at that time. Oh, I definitely did. It wasn't just that, but you were doing zines, you were doing the soul zine. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one that had Anthony Sewell on the cover. Oh, yeah. One of them. Right. Zines okay. was also, zines was part of it, too. Okay, I think I go. sent you a zine. You sent me a zine, because it's back when we traded zines. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the mail. I think it started with, where can I buy one of your bikes? Okay. So. That's that's how the I think that was what something it was, like this first letter out. Uh, dear Chris, this is Joe. Uh, you know, I want to buy one of your bikes. Where can I buy your bikes? Okay, so here we go. Oh, I'm sure I was much more long winded than that, but yeah, that's the condensed that the, version. Yeah, that's the, those are the cliff notes. Okay, so <laughs> right. dear Joe, I am glad you keep sending me mail. Mail makes my day a lot better. <laughs> wow. First, I am going to try <laughs> and answer your questions. Then I am going to get on with my letter. All right. Go ahead and call More Distributing. Ask for Greg Scott and tell him I sent you. Tell him about your local bike shop and try to buy the bike from the shop. Um, what does that say? Cost, maybe. Shop cost. Uh -huh. Oh. If he doesn't go for that, he'll definitely give you a killer deal. I am not that heavily involved with the money part of s and &M. I just design and test ride the stuff. Oh, that would be nice. I would love to go for the Trumbull National. Go to the Trumbull National and shred with you guys on the... What is that? What is this? Um, Something Fest 88? Thrash. Thrash Fest. Oh, you're having a jam or something? Yeah, yeah we had and a jam at that place, 88. Sunnyside. Could you send me more info on the race and Fest, etc.? My MBL papers don't seem to be coming uh, right, so I don't know much. Um now I've been making a zine called Soul, which is all about uh, dirt thrashing. I've made two issues, and I'm making the third now. I've ran out of black and white photos. Please try to send me some photos of you and your friends. I'll put them in Soul, and the ones I don't, I'll mail back to you. All right. <laughs> it's pretty wild. interesting stuff. Also try to send me as many 22-cent stamps <laughs> or any stamps that you can so I can mail soul to you. All right. Oh, it costs 49 cents to mail. I won't charge you uh, beyond that. We were kids. <laughs> yeah. We were kids. If any of that Connecticut thrash uh, enthusiasts want soul, they should. Have them mail me stamps. Also, well, I'm really going for stamps here. <laughs> yes, you are. Also, uh, pictures. Maybe write a few articles for me. Try to send me 49 cents per zine if you want to send stamps. And if you want the text three <laughs> issues at $1.50, etc. I'll also uh, This is back when we used to stickers. put money in, in an yeah, envelope. Right. Help me make soul writing uh, big in America. I'm trying to make soul writing big in America. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm on the second issue, part one of your stickers, and maybe write me an article about you, your local grounds, your scene, or your group. Thanks, bro. Chris, Mad Dog Muller. P.S. I'm getting a little deal with Airwalk. All right. Oh, wow. I didn't. I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. So you're I'm talking about deal with Airwalk. sponsorships working. We must have been talking about Airwalk, yeah. Yeah. No, that was a nice one. You know, it's getting yeah. a lot of stamps from Airwalk. <laughs> a lot of stamps. This is amazing, man. Yeah. I'm, more than anything, I'm blown yeah. away by the cursive. I know. <laughs> I, there's no way I could write. Totally legible. There's no way I could write cursive that well could. right now. No, me neither. Me neither. And the fact that I chose to write in cursive like that. Yeah. Incredible. Hey, you know, I just took it as a very sincere letter because yeah. you took a lot of time. 
to that. And then you got one of the original flyers here. Yeah, nice. yeah. You sent them to me. That's my favorite trick to do, and that's what you did all yeah. the time. And no, you I did love them that. well. I, I love that trick. I think it confuses the hell out of people. It does. I, I don't know I, how we get into that position. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well it's just a can can, really. Not to, in Xing up after you can can. It's kind of like yeah, you got to do they the They think whole we're deal. doing that. They think we're putting our our foot yeah. over the bar after and then Xing. Right. Yes, yeah. So it's all it's. Yeah, it is get wild. Confused. I I've said it before, but the reason I started doing that is because I saw Craig Campbell do it. Oh, on a ramp, on no, a, on a bowl, on a bowl, oh. a pipeline. Oh no way! 1985. If you look back at BMX action or uh-huh. freestyling, if it was around 1985, right. Craig Campbell came to the states for the first time. He was like 15. And he rode in the King right. of Skate Parks. He's an all white yeah. with a green. I think he has a green helmet or something. And yeah. he's doing the the sickest XF can can yeah. in, in the big bowl or the bowl out of the full pipe. Oh, okay, so he wasn't airing. He was no, he's and, airing and doing it like a look back because it's almost like a yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. Like I a, I, a I only saw it in the magazine. I wasn't at that comp. Yeah, yeah. So I only saw it in the magazine, but it uh-huh. looks just like this. Yeah. I don't know how he's oriented as far as the sure. bowl. But it looks just like this. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm doing. I'm like, yeah. just Craig Campbell at Pipeline. Chris Moore, 17 expert. 17 expert. And Brian Hernandez, 15X. That is hilarious. It is. And Brian's still riding too, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, he rides a dirt, 26 inch dirt jumper. We'll take it. He's got jumps in his we'll backyard. We'll take it. He's riding. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, no, we'll take it. Man. Yeah. Any, any riding is good riding. Right. right. <laughs> all right, now we're going, we're jumping up only a week later. Yeah, we're I like think, two weeks later. Yeah, something like that. 14th of January. Yeah. 88. Now we've gone to the 26th of January, 88. So that's 12 days later. You're getting another letter from me. I'm probably asking for more stamps. I'm like, that's my really guess. hard up for stamps. Man. Oh, God. And Mad Dog Solzine. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're addressing it from Yeah, Solzine. and S&M. And S&M. Here we were just straight Mad Dog. Yeah. Now we're going Mad Dog Solzine. I'm building an empire here. Same P.O. Box, 145. My yeah. dad originally... So my dad got this P.O. box when I lived with, with my parents uh-huh. for two reasons. One, because he'd get these like surf and motocross magazines, oh, okay. and I would take them. Yeah, right. And I'd take them to school, and I'd sell them a lot of times. So and he'd never even see them. So he was like bent about that. Yeah, right. And then the other thing was, I think my uh, shithead older brother uh-huh. would take his report cards because they were so terrible, and he would act like they never came, Right. My my grades were always good, so I didn't care about that. But uh, I would steal the mag, the motocross and the surf magazines, and my brother would steal his report cards. So my dad got a PO box so that <coughs> we couldn't hijack the mail. Right. And then once I started S and M, he didn't. My brother was gone. Yeah. I was basically on my own at yeah, that yeah. point, and he just gave me the PO box. That's how I got this PO box. Oh my god! But this funny. PO box was on yeah. Main Street in Huntington Beach. Yeah. Interestingly enough, there was a curb. It was mm-hmm. called the. Uh, had a name. It was the curb that you saw in all the skate magazines in 88 where um, mm-hmm. John Lucero and all the guys that ended up doing black label skateboards invented the slappy. Oh, no way. Yeah. At that P.O. At this. Oh, it's called the P.O. Curb. Oh, the okay. P.O. Curb. Yeah. Because it was behind the post office. Uh-huh. It was this post office. That's funny. So I'm going in there to get my mail, yeah. you know, at night, and Lucero and those guys are doing slappies on the P.O. curb, and the thing's all over the yeah. skate world. Right. And then we, I would skate the curb, too, with those That's guys. Awesome. So it was unreal. And that yeah. post office is still there, I believe, uh-huh. but the curb is gone. Right. Uh, That's great. Okay, Dear Joe. <laughs> this is letter number two. Right. Um, uh, got a hold of S&M Bicycle. Well, you got a hold of S&M Bicycles after all. I know it's been a while. 
but Gork just got your letter to me. Um, next time, mail it to... David P.O. Box. Dog. Yeah, care of S&M. Yeah. Go. It seems you're a little bigger than me. I'm 5'9 and about 150. Yes. Now <laughs> I'm like, now I'm probably... I 150. <laughs> I know, now I'm about, I would say I'm about 182 or something. Uh-huh. So we put on 32 pounds. Uh, <laughs> 150, but we're still pretty close. I ride an S&M XL Pro frame and fork. Now it's called the XL Mad Dog frame. The drop belts are double thick, front and back. The head tube and bottom bracket are both machined thicker on the end, so they're uh, way stronger. And the brake slot is double thick also. We're adding a a brace behind the bottom bracket for even more strength. The frame fork is pretty light too, believe it or not. Uh, for racing the S&M shreds, we have four people on our team now, and every one of them dominates SoCal Racing. I would like to see uh, you riding an S&M since not too many people back east have them. Mm-hmm. What's this? Three or four. Three or four. Yeah. Three or four people riding in the east. Um, to get uh, to get one, you should have a local bike shop contact more. I'm really helping these bike shops. Yeah, huh? sure. I'm just in Huntington Beach, <laughs> California. It, that and more is uh, Todd Huffman and Bob Morales. Oh, okay. It's the number I circled on our card. If it's uh, late, call the other one, Greg's house. Uh-huh. Say hi to Savage. <laughs> Crazy. Mike yeah. Savage. Still yeah, around. You saw him a couple, uh, couple yeah. months ago, right? Yeah, I did. Ago, At the race. Yeah, for me. And yes, I would like to have that videotape someday. Maybe you'll be at the ABA Florida race with Mike. Good luck with your plates. What were the plates? The DDR plates. Oh, right, right, right. I remember that now. Yeah. Hand, hand cool pictures plates. and stickers. Thanks. Well, this is awesome, man. I know. And you can keep those because... I can keep these? Yeah, this is part of your history. Holy shit. This yeah. is part of your history. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. I no appreciate problem. it. This is rad. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it out so I can get some pictures of you. But I just wanted to, I wanted to hand deliver those because I've had them for a while. These are unreal. Yeah. This should have been in the book. Yeah, next book. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But... It'll be in know. something. We'll, put, we'll get them in something. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, I just think it was the coolest thing, and, and I, I'm grateful I hung yeah. on to them so I could give sure. them to you at some point in my yeah. life. That's awesome. I'm going to put these in my office. All right. Get you the rest of the tour and then get you uh, out to your, your podcast. Yeah, get over to Jerry Bagley. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we've been in this building since 97. Mm-hmm. Um, could have moved and expanded a few times through the years, but honestly, just watching all the companies that I've watched come up through the years and yeah. then go away. Right. It almost always coincided with the big move to the big building. Yeah. This fucker's paid off. Yeah. Well, that's Paid amazing. off. Paid off. That's That's got to be a huge relief at yeah. a time right now when, yeah. things are, when things are tough. Oh, yeah. You know? So the guys working here uh, right now, we're just down to Murph and Doug. <coughs> Murph and Doug do uh, sales in here. We take photos in here. Uh-huh. And actually, they, they have their band practice. In no here. way. Yeah, Brock Rayford. Yeah. And Brock yep, sings. I've heard of him. So Brock sings. Murph plays drums. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Killian McGinnis, S and M rider, plays guitar, and then they oh, got really? a new they got a new bass player the other day. But yeah, Rayford nice. and those guys come in here and practice. That's so cool. Which is pretty good. Yeah, it is. But a Very lot more, cool. like I said, a lot just inventory. Man. Yeah, yeah, inventory. yeah. There's a, there's quite Break a bit. room inventory. Yeah, hallway yeah. inventory. <laughs> you know, Melissa's yep. office, uh, <clears throat> Evan's office. Uh-huh. Just more inventory everywhere. Yeah. And then. Sorry, it's hard not to stop at these covers. Aren't they cool? Yes, very cool. Well, like, what are companies going to do 
What are you going to yeah. do when you walk into a company 20 years from now? They're going to have like uh, Instagram posts printed out on the wall. What are they going to do? Projected on the wall from something. It's <laughs> you know? such a bummer. It is. Like, I mean, look at it this is. photo. So there was a photo of J-Bone hanging yeah. right here forever. That was so badass. There was a Posh, uh -huh. a photo of J-Bone at Posh. Yeah. And someone claims it disappeared. Oh, no. It was a photo I bought, I think, from Delecki. Uh-huh. Or Jeff Z, I don't remember who took her, Mulligan maybe? Yeah. It's posh photos. He was like skimming a roller. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> and it disappeared. So somebody uh -huh. said they think it, a cleaner, the cleaners come in on the weekend, mm -hmm. <laughs> dropped it, smashed it, and threw it away. Oh. Is what I heard. Oh. But yeah, we replaced it with nice. BF. Yeah. Which yeah. is, pro that's, cat. is that posh too or is that caddy? But, oh, you know what? No, I think that's posh. It'd be posh, yeah. That's posh. So, that's still pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm, very. So, that's at awesome. least we got that. But we had J-Bone there. And we got a couple yeah. of really nice photos we got from the gig oh. of Clint. Uh-huh. I think an east side photo. And then... Uh, uh, All those east side pictures. <clears throat> Jordan Hango. Uh-huh. You know, Canadian Jordan Hango. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. So, I love okay. that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, what are you going to do? You walk into a company, you know, 20 years from now, they're not going to have photos of... You know, Chase Hawk from 2007. No. Or Foster, you know, from well, right. 2004. Right. Yeah, you'd have to find someone that has the collection. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so I work in here, and I, so I keep the old bikes, some of the old bikes in here, but because these bikes actually go and get raced, they're always like going up, coming down. Right, right. You know? Oh, but, with the old school races. Yeah. Right. But that's the bike I just raced recently. Oh, yeah. The Frog, Frogtown thing. Yeah. Um, with that had been the uh, the eighties class. It was actually actually seventies. That's a late seventies class, right? It's like somebody stole my sticker. I feel like someone stole the sticker. No, it was a seventy seven. Uh huh. And older, I think, was the class coaster break. Oh. Okay, so when it. I showed up at that race, I had a freewheel uh -huh. because the previous year, first mm -hmm. year I raced coaster break. Yeah. And it was awful. Yeah. It was dangerous. Oh, it's terrible. You got to yeah. you got to plan ahead. It's dangerous. Right? It's oh, terrible. Yeah. So the second year, I got a freewheel, mm -hmm. and I rode the Moto Mag in the front, and I rode the freewheel in the back. Uh -huh. like I rode this wheel. You know, so I rode this, I rode this combo the second year. Okay. I just got an old single wall rim yeah. with a freewheel, right. and I rode the Moto Mag in the front. Wow. And then I showed up for the race <clears throat> you know, a few months ago, uh -huh. and when I went to sign up, they said, oh, it's coaster brake only now. Oh, so I had man. to go find a guy that had a bike yeah, he was yeah. selling. It was an old Schwinn Thrasher, uh -huh. it was called. It right. had a coaster brake back wheel on it. Mm -hmm. So then I decided just to put the coaster brake front, or the, the matching front wheel on it. Sure. Then I raced this this year. First yeah. moto, yeah. everything went great. It was total points. I won the first moto. Second moto, I'm out front doing my thing, and I go to pull up for a roller. Uh -huh. Go to speed jump a roller, and my front foot slipped off the pedal just slightly nothing that would ever bother you you would just readjust your foot right, but sure. when my foot front foot slipped off the pedal just slightly uh -huh. locked up the brake yep so i lock up the yeah. coaster brake the front wheels in the air now oh. the front wheel slams the face of the roller and i had the worst crash it was on my event the handlebar you can see oh yeah Eric, Eric um, Group would not use I, those no, bars. No, he would not use those bars. I bent the not? fork over to the side, <laughs> right. just got, and, and I was laying on the ground, just, oh, I just slammed so hard. Eric Carter was standing right there, and he goes, he goes, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's I'm slipped break. off the coaster brake, <laughs> right. you know? But a uh, uh, funny story with that in a second. But anyway, yeah. 
third moto, <coughs> I kept it together enough just to transfer to the main, and then I ended up winning mm. the main. So, oh, that's uh, cool. It went good in the end, but man, I was I was in a lot of pain oh, after that slam. And then I later bet. that day, I saw Carter have a slam just as hard as mine, just as stupid as mine. And yeah, I happened yeah. to be standing right there. And when he was laying <laughs> on the ground, I go, Carter, what are you doing? <laughs> That's like, great. Yeah, I go, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he just shook his head. He was like, oh my God. Of all people. <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious though, because, you know, he was already harassing me. So, exactly. you know, I got him back. But uh, I've got a couple of things. I haven't saved much through the years, uh -huh. but I've managed to dig up a few things. Like this yeah. is an early, early SM frame. Like one of the, whenever you have this right. brake bridge, this doubled uh -huh. up brake bridge. Right. Like that one? Yeah. Like that is a super... We, we're still one. in the era of, of, this is of like, just side pole brakes. Yeah, I mean, look at this. This doesn't even have the gusset on the front. No. So wonder, that's like... I wonder if mine did that. That's like Cook Brothers. Yeah. That's him right there. And we ended up that, getting a black one, and I'm pretty sure so mine didn't have like, it either. This was like CW. Yeah, So I yeah. went from Cook Brothers yeah. to CW. Oh, that okay. was Cook Brothers. Yeah. It's got the doubled up bridge, so that is like original. Yeah. 87, maybe 88 at the latest. I think I and then I went to CW, they got this on them. Yeah. But they still yeah. have this, so this this one's super old. Oh, I got you. I'll find pictures of mine. I don't have the bike, unfortunately, but yeah. like most of us don't. Oh, yeah, you didn't save it. No, no. And then it's funny you mentioned American-made fits, because this is one of the very first fit frames ever, mm -hmm. and it's made right here in Santa Ana. Well, you know what's good that we... It's Actually, good not we... in this shop. It was made by another guy down the street. Oh, okay. But yeah. it, that's one of the very first fit frames ever made. It's made right here in Santa Ana, wow. and I found this frame in a factory in Taiwan. Uh -huh. This American-made frame, unused, unridden. So I was in a frame factory in Taiwan, and this yeah. was like up against the wall. And I said, "What is? Why is this here?" And they uh -huh. said, "Oh, you know, somebody in the '90s mm -hmm. sent that to right. copy." Yeah. And I said, "Okay, well, I'm taking it back." Right. Absolutely. And I took it back. Oh, yeah. There's the tube marking. Yeah. Never been ridden. Never been built up. Yeah. Oh my God, that's like great. this was the original, original uh -huh. fit frame. If you remember them, well, yeah. you were kind of out of it. At I that was time. kind of out of it then. Yeah. But yeah. It was probably, I think. Uh, 99 we started fit yeah we usually say 2000 just because it sounds better right but right. it was really 99 uh-huh so that frame would have been made probably in you know 2000 yeah that would have been right after i was out two years after and then this was the third version of snm frames now we're at gt oh okay so cook brothers yeah cw and then gt 87 88 this late 87 89 this is probably 89 so what I bought from you is most likely... Oh, yeah, right there, 89. 12, yeah. 89. So oh, December, okay. December 89. Yeah. Almost 90. So what I bought from you in the late eight, late 88... Or no, it would have been spring, it sounds like, because we were... Get, I was getting yeah, the letter. Yeah, in January, we are doing the letters. So, so early January of uh, 88, because I sent you those in 88? Yeah. Yeah, so I must have got it early. Jan Where were they being made? 99. Because those are January 88, those letters. Oh, right. So 89 is when I... No, I, I must have bought the bike in 88, Oh, though. January 88. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, so you got what, it in 88 for sure. Which is what that is. That's an That could be 87. Okay. That could be 87. But yeah. most likely it's 88. So and what I got... Not much happened in 87. You know, we got the business license in June uh -huh. of 87. Yeah. And... Uh, Got a few frames mm -hmm. there, probably 50, maybe another batch, 25, another batch of 50, so maybe well, maybe 100 frames by the end of 87, yeah. then so yours is probably an 88. I think so, and I don't think I had that gusset. 
The gusset on that one does not look familiar. Well, if you at didn't all. have the gusset, it's definitely early. Okay. And these are these are hard to find. One, mm -hmm. there weren't that many of them. Right. And two, a lot of people that rode really hard broke them. Yeah, I broke right. my. I broke a few of them because yeah. there were a few batches. I talk about I think in the book, but there were a few batches where Cook Brothers used a two a top tube right. that was way thinner than the top tube we asked them to oh, use. Okay. And now I understand that kind of stuff because yeah. they probably had a ton of inventory, mm -hmm. or it might not even have been the owner's right. fault. It might have just been one of the guys in the shop mm -hmm. just grabbed the right diameter right. but the wrong thickness and didn't check it. So it might not yeah. have been malicious. It right. might have just been yeah. It might have just been an accident. Right. But right. it was an accident that cost a lot of people to snap the frames in half, including me. I probably snapped two or three of them in Did half. You? Yeah. In half. Wow. Or the front end would just yeah. completely off, and I would. I know I didn't break mine, so I. They must, I must you might have, have got the, the correct one. top tube. Yeah, I think I did. But to this to this day, yeah. that stuff still happens. Yeah. You know? Hey. I mean, and then here's an old uh, American BMXer right here riding yeah. one of these frames with no gusset. Mm -hmm. That was the first race. My first pro race was in uh, New Jersey, ABA oh, National oh in uh, New Jersey. Yeah, and yeah. I went and I won. I won one day, Mark Melton. Remember him? Yeah. He oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I went 1-2 for the weekend in B-Pro, and he went 2-1. Oh, nice. So he won one day. Yeah. I won one day. Yeah. And then the next paper came out, and I got the cover. Oh, there's Melton right behind me. Oh, that is, huh? Kegels or something? Yeah, or? Kegels. Yeah. He was fast. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I got... I got uh, first at my first pro national on this nice. bike, it was pretty cool. A pro. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna close it out. Yeah. Get a picture or two, and uh, yeah, shut this thing off. Hit the road. Thanks for the impromptu tour and visit. Yeah. This is great. I was hoping I could catch up with you. My plans. Yeah. It got tough. We lost the transmission on the way here, and it just it piled on my son. I because he was he's working up at June Mountain for right. there. Right. No, I saw that. Yeah. So I was dropping him. Basically, he dropped me and Bishop. And then uh, I worked my way down. So I just ran out of time because we lost a day. But I'm still psyched they did the transmission in 24 hours and got us back on the I road. Read, I when you said that, I, was, I found that hard yeah. to believe. Yeah, it was amazing. The guys were awesome. And they let us stay in the camper, which we took off. Oh, propped it up. Nice. Because it's a slide in. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it was cool. But I'm in on that. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish this if you're good with it. I'm fine. All right. Awesome. All right. Hang on, Chris.